Hi everybody, welcome to FNS Wrestling Podcast, episode 82. We're back to talk more wrestling a little bit later in the day than normal on a Saturday, but I am your host, I'm here. My co-host, are you here? No, no. I, I'm actually absent today, sorry folks. But <laughs> he is here, it's it is my teenage it son Jack, and I just got home, and I'm really exhausted, I had to get up early, your brother had basketball games, because basketball is back for him, which is great. So a couple games in the city, sort of down in Toronto, won their first game pr- pretty handily and then played the undefeated number one team in their division and took them to overtime, but didn't win. But your brother played great. He's the point guard. He's the guy bringing the ball up, making a lot of the decisions, played really well. But uh, yeah, and you got to be home alone, mm-hmm. playing a boatload of video games, I assume. Yes. Still in the same clothes you slept in. Yes. Oh boy, I expect nothing less. So you had a good day? I was concerned going to Walmart because I want to look for something, but I'll do that another time. I checked the Walmart in Scarborough for you today. There was nothing, nothing Mm. exciting. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I was telling, we were talking about it. So I'm still struggling with my nerve issue in my leg. I'm limited in standing and walking. And he had, Nate had uh, several couple hours in between games. So we thought, oh, we'll go to the local mall and we'll eat in the food court. That way everyone can, all the teammates and parents can eat what they want. And we can walk the mall and I can just sit on benches and chairs when I get sore. And guess what? They've removed every single bench and chair in the Scarborough Town Center, I guess for COVID reasons or whatever, but so I was suffering. But anyways, what are you going to do, right? Can't complain too much. (laughs) Sit. I couldn't really sit. I was trying to find places to sit and like they had benches roped (laughs) off and stuff and I was just disobeying the roping off so I could sit. But anyways, and then I'm dumb and forgot to take my ID in. So even when we're trying to get into the seating area of the food court, you have to show your vaccine passport as well as an id so i had left my wallet in the car so i couldn't even go sit there but anyways it was a mess but we persevered anyways a good day Mm -hmm. uh anything exciting in your world that you want to talk about i don't know Um, it's about it for me going to the friends for super bowl tomorrow i'm excited about that cool bunch of 40 ish year old men that went to high school together getting together yep Nice. Me, Coots, Paul, and Stitt, just like back when we were teenagers getting together. So Imagine being a teenager, that must suck. No wives, no parents. Look out. It's going to be fun. Uh-huh. Yeah, we're just going to watch some football, play some darts, some euchre probably, some I other cards. I hardly know her. Right? So, yeah, I'm pretty excited actually. I don't get to see nice. those guys enough, especially when there's global pandemics rocking the, the world. So it'll be nice to see those fools. Mm-hmm. Anyways, what's new with you? I'm rambling a lot here. I can't think of anything that's actually interesting. It's an exciting life. Your report card was amazing. Your first high school report card. Yay. 88 average, buddy. That's incredible. Great mm-hmm. job. You done good, as yes. they say. So we're very proud of you. Your grandparents, I texted them. They're proud of you. Of mm-hmm. course, obviously. So mm-hmm. anyways. Um, I, I wish I had something, but I had nothing. Your life is that exciting. Eh? <laughs> yes. Um. Wait. No, never mind. Nothing? Nothing. All right, well, I say we get into talking about wrestling, I guess, because I've blathered on for pretty near four minutes here. So I say mm-hmm. we transition into what our millions and millions of listeners came to listen to. All right. <laughs> right. And that is to talk about wrestling. So let's start out looking at the week's wrestling news and rumors. All right, it's ratings time. So very, very different ratings for the two shows we always talk about the ratings so the first is nxt their tuesdays it is the vengeance day go home show right because next week's episode is vengeance day 
Well, it drew 400,000 viewers. That should have been a premium live event. Which is down 35.37% and earned a dismal 0.07 in the key demo. So that's down 46.15. So it is the lowest audience in show history, lowest key demo in show history, but somewhat expected because they were only airing on sci-fi and because they suck so i'd love to laugh at the numbers entirely but um they got bumped what network are they even on i don't even remember other than sci-fi usa so that was bumped for olympic stuff i believe so <laughs> terrible terrible ratings but not for no reason i guess mm-hmm. uh to contrast that aew had a really good week the wednesday's uh, live episode drew 1.129 million viewers so that's up 18.34 percent Earned a 0.41 in the key demographic, up 17.14%. So that's the best audience for the show since September 29th. And I mean, to me, I would imagine that's because there was promise of debuts, right? At least one. Correct. Um, the Forbidden Door being open as much as I hate to use that term, which it actually was. So I think that probably helped because they do a pretty good job of letting us know it's going to be somebody fairly major right at least somebody interesting debuting so i think that helps mm-hmm. their numbers overall mm-hmm. what you got <clears throat> well we'll get right on to that i guess um because keith lee did debut in aw so that's pretty cool that was one of them yes so that um, to me he, was not the forbidden door right he because... beat isaiah cassie in the face of revolution line of match qualifiers so he, that he was that spot and to and deliver on the forbidden door piece yes uh jay white also debuted correct who's one of your 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 favorite new japan guy probably yeah i don't really care much for new japan so yeah I'd he definitely didn't impress me in impact and bullet club has kind of run its course for yeah me, well, impact but, sucks so it's it's not his fault but no. jay white is cool so i'm hoping they and can do some cool stuff yeah with so him. he what he did he had he um assisted the super quick in a backstage attack right. on rapongi vice then he blade runnered trent after um the rapongi vice bucks match right and then um also he's it'll be trent beretta versus jay white on next week's and rampage. that should be a very good match so i guess i'm watching rampage next week which that's someone that's someone um that's not late or that's when oh, right not they're late. moving to eight o'clock i think right so which is helpful yeah so a i'll bit. be able to watch that easily nice um so it was a slow news week for me i thought so one of the things i had is i get fascinated by the little things vince demands people say and doesn't let people say so he's got a new one did you see this anywhere was it the new day thing yes a new edict for the wwe staff is that this is from fightful select i guess that vince mcmahon is adamant that um kofi kingston and big e when they are together not be billed as the new day but instead be called big e and kofi kingston that's why i love it because i don't think it makes sense i don't think there's any logic there um other than it's vince and that's how he wants it so i'm like does he think that it's kind of bringing break... Big E down because Big E's a single star now, which he didn't really follow through on? Like, I don't... Right, but then if that's true, keep him as a single star? Are like... they only the New Day when it's all three of them? No, because... No, because the Woods other and... two have been New Day still. Yeah, I don't... It's just Vince being Vince, man. Yeah, I think, I think that's all you can Because really... Vince, right? That's all you can explain it as. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Uh, what else do you have? I only have one more. I, didn't, really? I couldn't find much, so it's um, all you. I have three more unrelated so kind of a funny one former mm-hmm. w superstar connor made his debut yeah, in impact losing to josh alexander in one minute in an impromptu match it seems like there's people showing up to challenge josh alexander right because kind of kind of I mean, it's been jonah then um oh charlie my, haas correct charlie haas and now connor so next victor and it seems to be or the way stardust. that they're sort of 
postponing Alexander getting back into the main title picture, which mm-hmm. they better not forget about or I'm going to be mad because he deserves it and the story they built was awesome. Um, the only thing I had was you and I have been wondering, right, where Kyle O'Reilly has been because he showed up on AEW and then kind of has been gone for a while. But apparently mm-hmm. the storyline between Red Dragon, <laughs> Adam Cole, and the Young Bucks is expected to resume as I hope it would because that should be good. And basically, the Wrestling Observer Newsletter notes that Fish and O'Reilly have not been coming out with Cole and the Bucks because O'Reilly was given some time off as he and his wife had welcomed their first child on Monday, January 17th. So the storyline is expected to continue when O'Reilly returns to work. So that's good. I just didn't want him to be lost in the shuffle. I didn't think he was at this point. He just got there. But it's nice to have a reason. I didn't think but I was kind of worried. And that's a perfectly fine reason for absence i hope he enjoys takes as much time as he can and enjoys the the new baby because that's fun stuff so good for him good canadian boy having mm-hmm. a kid you know mm-hmm. it's all you now i'm gonna drink my uh, booster juice so i know we were both already super excited for drew mcintyre versus mad cat moss elimination chamber right mm-hmm. but now it's a false canadian match so now it's boring right you that's, laugh that's but the reason it's boring. i'm here to tell you mad cat moss is going to be a big deal Mm, maybe, if they change the gimmick right maybe not with that name or gimmick but him the guy i have a feeling he's going to be around for a long time i don't even think he's really bad i don't even think they're i don't think they're gonna make him a big star you know why because they don't make a big star to anyone not named Roman Reigns, of course Lesnar, or john Cena. there will not be any they won't build anyone to that level i don't think ever again possibly but i think they're for, afraid because i feel like even roman could go to hollywood for main roster style like he's fine and i think that they they like him so i am mm-hmm. expecting to be around a bunch and then um if anyone's watching next week's smackdown skip forward a bit because <laughs> they taped the show because um saudi arabia is the day after so i assume like great just to make sure they're all there oh man so it's I so smackdown's they, taped is what you're saying yes i hope they um screw it up on the way back again I, again they get held hostage again Mm -hmm. basically right some only not the main talent and the executives they all flew out of there on their private planes and got home fine it was all the the workers right that Mm -hmm. got stuck there um but uh so Sami Zayn beat nakamura for the ic title um really in episode 5000 of shinsuke nakamura gets screwed well, I mean, he's been doing absolutely nothing with exactly. it. Exactly. So, guess... so they made him do nothing with the belt and then, and then make him drop it to Sami Zayn, who I feel like isn't really in his prime, at least character-wise right now. I feel like this is this the best Sami Zayn with all the insane the stuff. The title has definitely fallen from grace. Oh, it this, was t- my, this title took a beating. It was my, it's been my years. favorite title forever, right? Like, it's the worker's title. It's the, like hopefully you're the next big thing title and if you but know what nakamura did in japan how has he been such a crappy intercontinental champion twice he was my favorite wrestler in the world before he came to north america and now he is well, an afterthought. Even in nxt he was good right yeah he but... was good he still wasn't as good as in japan but there's just something about him in japan i can't explain it to you the charisma the i don't know just everything he did was was cool and unique and it just worked and mm-hmm. since he came to north america not so much but what can you do? Anything He's else? He's probably been like, huh, they just, every time they, they, they've given him a mid-card belt four times. And you could easily forget he had the Intercontinental for a while because he wasn't on pay-per-views. He remember, wasn't anywhere. Um, do you remember him as U.S. champion even? Yes, a little bit. Like, but like as people who are only watching the pay-per-views and not the weekly shows, right? Like you wouldn't even know. Would have no idea he's the champion of anything. 
Most Except of the time. for Survivor Series. And it's too bad because he's talented and no, that belt Survivor should Series be. If you didn't watch the kickoff. Your belt should be respected or else why do you have it kind of thing, right? But anyways. Yeah, the U.S. tells him more time to shine. Good for Sami Zayn, I guess. Good Canadian boy. Yep. Getting a title run. And Anything that else? Is it. That's it for news. All right. Well, it's time to talk about some uh, AEW and take a look at our what we do every week as we review the week's AEW Dynamite. So we're going to do that mm, right now. Um, and we start with not a match, but a segment as we get MJF celebration from last week. Or Very, like uh, after last week, I guess. Segment heavy first hour. Not necessarily in a bad way, just a lot of people talking for the first hour, I found. Mm-hmm. But let's find out if we liked it or not. I don't remember them advertising this, right? So, uh, The pinnacle part? This whole thing. This whole thing? No, I don't think so. I know they advertised the, the inner circle odd. thing. Right. But not this. I don't. At least I don't remember either. Mm-hmm. Could um, be wrong easily. So Wardlow comes down, no entrance, just carrying MJF cardboard cutouts. One of them's with, I think, this, the sleep pole, and another one's MJF's in cost like a chatting. So I thought those were kind of funny. And then FTR and Tully get an, get an actual entrance and make their way down. And then also uh, Spears makes his entrance afterwards as well. Uh, MJF gets a long introduction by Justin Roberts, not as good as King Omega's back in the day. But so that was like end of 2020. And it was funny because Roberts was like doing it against his will. You could tell he wasn't like his heart wasn't in it. Right. Like that's what I was saying. Like the Kenny Omega one was like. Yeah. It's like the you're a heel making me say this and I don't really believe it. But I'll say everyone hates MJF. Right. Um, And then MJF enters on a white and gold throne carried by guys as if he's one king of the ring. Um, yep, over the top. Very right. MJF. Uh, MJF says he thinks he made a crystal clear last week that he's the best pro wrestler on the planet. He's just not Omega, not Danielson, not Cole, not Hangman. He says he's the best in the world, but since he beat Punk, he's better than the best in the world, which I think is a good. That's a fun. That's a good line. Yeah, for him, it makes total sense. Um, he says it was bittersweet, and he beat Sony Girl watching. And when he beat Punk, he whispered, "You suck." As like a bait and switch of like, he felt like, I don't know, like sad or like or like I don't know, sympathetic or something. Yeah. I don't know. Something like that. Or like, you be his childhood hero or something, but then he just kind of like fades it out. Yep. He thanks the one person who helped him win twice that night, so he's kind of like, whether that's Val or not, he's counting on two wins. I feel like he <laughs> I would. thought that's a funny heel move to yeah, take, Yeah, I feel right? like he would anyways, whether it's Val or not, I think he would. Beat him twice in one night. Right. Um, <laughs> And he thanks Sean Spears, and he couldn't have won without the warm-up, which is funny because obviously it was Wardlow. Yeah, obviously leading us to think he's going to thank Wardlow for helping right. him, but he doesn't. And Spears basically like gives thanks and uh, reveals a new Better Than the Best of the World shirt on the Tron. Yeah, so. it doesn't. I don't think that, I would not buy that shirt, but. Yeah. He says he proved he is better than Punk in Chicago, and it's about time he became AEW World Champion. And Punk walks out, so Shivani comes with the mic, which I thought was weird. Why doesn't Punk just come out with the mic? Right. Um, Punk says he was watching on the monitor, and he says MJF's win was as suspect as his spray tan. He said he learned his lesson on how they gang up on one guy, and he brought some friends. Out comes Sting and Darby. Uh, if he's friends with Sting, that is depressing. Uh, he says they'll come down and beat the cover of the pinnacle because he wants a rematch. MJ says Punk doesn't deserve a rematch, and Punk says he was talking to the guy who beat, who really beat him in Chicago, and he's talking about Wardlow, which I thought was kind of funny. Yeah, I thought that was well um, played. Yeah. He says the Pinnacle wouldn't have won anything in the past six months without Wardlow. Uh, he says Wardlow can either stay there and receive the ass being the Pinnacle is about to get, or he can grow some balls and leave them. Oh. MJ says he beat Punk by himself, and Punk asks if Wardlow hears him. 
uh, Dax takes a mic and says, and asks if Punk thinks he likes dressing like this. He's basically he's more comfortable fighting, and he wants his rematch, I guess, from the six man tag. And so Punk agrees to the trio's match, which would be Punk Sting Darby again versus Pinnacle or sorry MJFTR. Um, MJ says he doesn't want to wrestle wherever they are. I forget what he said, but he has an idea and says Punk can have a rematch against FTR in the condition he's in, referring like just because he got pretty beat up last week, right. the week before, and he can team with any partner he wants that isn't Darby or Sting. And if Punk and his partner win, Punk will get a rematch with MJF. And then he also adds that Wardlow better suit up because he has a match next, which is hardly. A match. Oh, I didn't even catch that part because mm. I was a bit surprised when he came out next. Um, so thoughts? Um. I kind of like this, right? Like, it's very MJF to come out in that that fashion and everything and get the introduction being carried out. And I liked him talking about beating Punk twice, even though they've only had one match. Further disrespect of Wardlow makes sense. Even Punk, they're trying to, like, drive a wedge a little bit further, right? Like, are you hearing this guy giving you no credit kind of thing? Because he knows it's, it's there, right? And I think for the most part now, this is the role I was hoping Punk would play in AEW, right? He can elevate even top-tier talent a little bit further, and I think he has done that with this program with MJF so far, right? I was really hoping that he is at the point in his career where he's just going to help elevate people, and he seems to be doing that, which is great. He's also sort of putting Wardlow over, right? Um, after he was so blatantly disrespected by MJF, I thought that was a nice touch too and a smart like mind game for Punk to keep playing. Um, I think everybody involved here did a good job in the role. I was entertained by this segment. I'm glad they're not going with the rematch of Punk-MJF at this point. I think that's a bit too soon if they're going to do it at all. I mean, to nitpick, this probably could have been a couple minutes shorter, especially... Um, the separate entrances that the heels got right maybe wasn't necessary, but I thought it was. I think a... it was to kind of illustrate like that they got entrances, but Wardlow did. Right, I think oh, for sure it was right, which is a nice touch as well, I guess. Right, so I thought it sure. was. I was entertained, so I thought it was a good start to show. And honestly, like MJF at this point, he's just so damn good at being a heel, right? He's this kind of a throwback heel, but also a modern. It's hard not to enjoy his segments at this point. So <laughs> this worked for me, I would say. Yeah, um, I thought it was a pretty good segment to start the show. It made sense. It, it was very good. I I think another customary like good one from MGF. It's it's sometimes a gamble starting with a segment, but I think they usually do it well. They do. Um, I like things like him acting like he beat a punk twice. I think that's kind of funny. It is. Um, where you think Spears instead of Wardlow. Um, punk also talking about Wardlow, like, like you said, driving that wedge, I think, was another cool way to add fuel to the fire in this Wardlow storyline. Um, FTR versus Punk and the mystery partner, who I definitely didn't already know, should be good. Um, Don't spoil if it's it. someone good. Overall, um, a pretty good segment to start the show. Also, Wardlow, is ha- he's got a live match qualified. Unfortunately, it's against Caster. Interesting. That sucks for Caster. Uh, hopefully, it's not like a squash. Or no, anything, it, it's going to be a squash. Probably. Um, next again, Andrade Darby Allen thing backstage. Mm-hmm. So this is fun. Um, <laughs> Doubting and- your sincerity. Andrade says everyone knows Darby works for Sting, which I think is kind of funny. Sting says he's not a kid. I'm referring to Darby, not Sting, because Sting's definitely yeah, not a kid. Yeah, that doesn't need to be said. <laughs> it's understood. Um, and if he has an issue, Darby, he can talk to Darby. Darby says he has bigger things to do than work for Andrade, like coming team team champion. And in fact, he does. Is that will be next week? Right. So that is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, Andrade says Darby will work for him, and they have something in common. Darby wants the TNT Championship, whereas Andrade is the next TNT Champion. Oh, which... sure. Um, what did you think of this segment? First of all, it was nice to see Andrade interacting with stars, right, and not 
Hardy and his people. So the that's AHFO. That's a step okay. up. Um, I I kind of find the whole like Darby Allen works for Sting thing amusing, but I feel like I also think it's kind of weird. I think Andrade knows he's just being disrespectful. Maybe like that's I, just I, his I would way. hope so because I feel like it's like I uh, I don't like. I guess you could actually think that, but like I don't know. Well, why. and I also think it's partly because he's the guy that's always paying people to do stuff, right? Like right. he's constantly no, he's, hiring. So he's assuming people. it's like right. the same thing that other people do right. the same right, thing. Right, right, right. Um, I liked Andrade getting serious at the end, right, where he starts talking about he's the next champion, and a match between Allen and Andrade would be awesome. He hasn't Andrade. I'm talking about. I don't think he's been in a relevant match in months, right? So. I hope this not is not since he half went through a flaming table. Right. I'm hoping this is the start of some sort of program for him because I love him. He's fantastic to watch in the ring. So I thought this was a good enough interaction. I don't think it was amazing, but again, just getting Andrade away from Hardy for an interaction was good for me. Yeah, I'm still lost on the AHFO thing. Like I don't Same. know. Like I don't I just don't I don't I don't get it. It seems really forced, and I don't see what the payoff could be. It seems like everyone in the AHFO is below Andrade. Way below him. Literally everyone. Name someone who's not. I can't. You can't. It's not possible. Oh, uh, maybe Butcher, because he's taller. <laughs> I but, guess. But no. Um, Solid promo from Andrade, better than others of his as of late. Darby's so fine, too. And Sting is always unnecessary. Um, This is fine. I still don't get Andrade's angle here. I don't get why he wants Darby to work for him. Like, I don't either. Because he's just a human... He just hires people, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Uh. Well, if we're hiring people, you don't need to hire one. You hire Stings. He's useless for everything. I know. Uh. Next, we get Wardlow versus AHFO's The Blade. Blade in a match. The Blade of. And he didn't just get completely murdered, so that was something. He got pretty murdered. (laughs) It wasn't Um, like four power bombs and we're out, mm -hmm. right? So. It was a little bit more than four power bombs and we're out. (laughs) It was. Um, so then we got a squash. It was, it was a squash. There was a chop block, like, right away as the bell is going off by yeah. Blade. And Wardlow's back was turned, and then I, Blade got a little more, which I didn't really catch. Um. Yeah, he got a little flurry in there. Mm-hmm. Overhead belly to belly by Wardlow. He catches a corner move from Blade and hits a power bomb, And then more power bombs. He eventually pins him, gets the win, blah, blah. He knows the draw. Right. Um, another av- average Wardlow squash. How interesting. Yeah, I didn't care. It just kind of. <laughs> happened it's like they're really trying to build wardlow which i appreciate I feel but like, like you have to like kind of actually build on it each week whereas it's the like, same note every week right same um, note of the symphony so yeah exactly uh, i thought spears eating as he walked in and sort of while it was happening was a nice touch it's like he's not really focused or committed to what wardlow's doing kind of thing i don't know um it wasn't a complete squash right but it was close the point seemed to be that wardlow did what he wanted to because i think spears wanted him to end the match sooner right and i think the idea is that wardlow's kind of done listening to um the people in what is it pinnacle mm-hmm. um and then spears then obviously steals wardlow's thunder right as wardlow sort of celebrating after the match that's when spears comes in with the chair attacks to sort of take that away from him so again it's all just building to this uh, i guess i would assume it's a break from wardlow in the group but I would love if they would find a different note to play, right? Um, uh-huh. And I felt like this was JR going out of his way to make sure that we picked up on all of the plot points, which I found a bit annoying. It's like he regressed into WWE style where he had to point out, oh, look at him eating at ringside and look at him coming in and stealing his thunder by using the chair. Like, just let us absorb it and figure it out for ourselves. You don't need to tell us. We're watching it happen. But anyways, other than that, I don't know, like... 
they need to find something else to do, I think, with Wardlow at this point. I'm hoping the qualifiers are a little different, but I have little hope. I feel like Caster will tear into him with a wrap and then get teared into in the ring. Probably. Um, Next, we get a pleasant surprise on the show. Um, a Penta, a Penta promo. Set yes, in a graveyard. And it was a dark. Um, I will recommend people seek this out because I am not going to cover it doing it justice. Because right. it's just, it's basically like some of the things I picked up were Arahanta saying it's due because Penta did get missed last week. He did. And they just like call out black a lot. Like, I don't, you just have to watch it, really. I It's one of those things you can't really cover. Mm-hmm. It, it was just really cool. Um, I thought it was super cool. Different style for Penta, the dark aesthetic. All the mention of dark, they said dark a lot too. Really, it because it was like a think. graveyard and they're, they're digging going for Pentagon dark. And one and the mask, up a mask. They, they dug up a mask, which I feel like it's not like I don't think it's like hey, that's a Pentagon dark mask, but it could be one that he did use, or it's just yeah. like an old one, I guess, that he used then. I think they're probably painting at Pentagon dark, which is cool because they, they could either go pack goes kind of more heelish because Pac can always lean into that whenever he wants to Easily. to go with Pentagon Dark yep. and then they just go murder the House of Black or I could see Pentagon Dark fitting into the House of Black pretty light, pretty nicely. I mean, personally, I don't want to see everyone that gets De- misted joins. I don't want to see Death Triangle go up again or, or sorry, I mean, Death Triangle gets split up but I don't know. Pentagon they, Dark would be kind of cool. They're not there. using Death Triangle to their full yeah, potential. Yeah, but Death I Triangle like, is cool. They are cool. Uh, yeah, this to me feels like the resurrection of Pentagon Dark from Lucha Underground, which... And I feel like they could definitely do it justice here, right? That's when I fell in love with Pentagon, so there was lots of references to Dark, like the word Dark was used quite a bit in the segment, um, and it kind of feels smart to me because in that tag match with House of Black, Pentagon, the reaction he got was huge from that crowd. It's like they wanted Penta, right? So I think he deserves a bit more focus. I think most fans yeah, kind of but... feel that way. I don't know. Do you feel like he still gets cheered if we go Pentagon Dark, or what do you possibly because he's just one of those so cool if he's like, doing the same gimmick. He just kind of goes more anti-hero. Well, he, yeah, he's just breaking everybody's arms basically, right? Yes. That's what he was doing. He needs there. to bring back the arm snap. So Pentagon Dark would be cool. Uh, it makes sense that the House of Black have kind of reawoken this character if that's the route they're going, right? And I'm like this whole. Vign- I feel like they had to know what they're doing. There's no way this isn't Pentagon Dark. Like I, it's not I like think so. WWE where they're gonna tease Pentagon Dark and then purposely, and then I feel like they're they're smart enough to know that a Pentagon Dark is sick. It's money and like people want it, right? Like yep. I don't know. I think that and I think that'll work too. It'll revitalize Penta. Like I I think they need another mid card title. He deserves more focus, right? I they think. No- I don't know what they could do, but they need another mid card title. And and I think you are in this boat as well. I'm kind of a sucker for like the dark, mysterious vignettes with the that's just the darker tone to them, like House of Black stuff. And I miss stuff the like this. Darby stuff. Remember yeah. those were sick. So I like this. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, me too. Um, next, we get the inner circle team meeting, which has the potential to be good or bad. And I was very skeptical. Because inner circle segments have been both, right? And my first note was this followed the pinnacle segment too closely for me, right? Yeah. I would have preferred some wrestling inserted, so I was already a bit so nervous going into it. there is a lot here. There is. Um, this was a very lengthy segment with a lot going mm-hmm. on, yes. Um, so Jericho wanted to know why they refused to tag him in against 2.0 and Daniel Garcia. Jericho said that they embarrassed him while robbing the fans that paid to see Jericho wrestle. Yep, because that's why they go dynamite, just to see Chris Jericho. We'll um, come back to it, but I found the heel-face dynamic here a little bit interesting. interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't even think, like, with Pride and Powerful, just splitting doesn't even necessarily make them heels. Cause you they could... didn't seem like it here, and Jericho kind of like did. I feel like also... So... 
like this is one of those things where you could definitely side with either side. Yeah, like, I, I do agree. I think Jericho it. felt a little more heelish here, which I I do like. I do like that. Um, but I feel like like realistically, you could find a way to side on either yeah. side, right? They both so made which sense. I, which I kind of like. Cause yeah, you don't me too. really you don't really get that a lot. Usually, it's like even if you agree with the heel, they're not really right. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like sometimes you could agree with like they're only MJF, right in their like, warped perspective. Right. So I feel yes. like it's like kind of one of those things where you could you could agree with that. They side. both have some valid arguments for sure. Yep. Uh, Jericho said it's disrespectful, so we want to know why they did it. Santana said that for the past few months he has been struggling with with this while adding that Jericho only cares about himself. Santana said that any fight they had had, it's been for the betterment and advancement of one person being Jericho. Santana said anytime they have have a bit of spotlight, what happens, it gets shut down and thrown aside so they can come to Jericho's rescue. Santana said they came out there man-to-man, face-to-face to tell Jericho that the days of them playing second fiddle are over and done. Santana said that Jericho... Um... To tell Jericho that the day is... Okay, there we go. There's a law here. Santana said that Jericho always stood in their way. There we go. Um, while the fans are what kept them going. Santana told them that they that you should thank Ortiz for everything you've got. Because if it wasn't for Ortiz, Santana would have dropped Jericho's ass a long time ago. Oh. Jericho said Santana reminds him of Agro. And then he said that Aking hasn't done anything for them in AW. Well, Jericho's influencer in his company. Jericho said that since they have been with him, they have been main events of pay-per-views, Dynamite, Rampage, and made more money than ever. Jericho told Santana that they had the chance to be AW Titan Champion, saying they lost to the Young Bucks about one year ago. That's true, I guess. Yeah, but we we don't like to talk about that. <laughs> uh, Jericho said that he brought them into the inner circle, and he can kick them out as well. And Jericho said he maybe invited the wrong two members of LAX to join this group. At first, I thought he was referring to... um. Conan or fifty one fifty for some reason, but um referring to Homicide and Hernandez, Jericho right. mentions them and Santana grabs Jericho, but Sammy tells him to break it up and Jericho tells him to shut up as like lashing out or whatever. And Sammy's still wearing two belts, which I think is funny. Um Sammy spoke up saying he had no idea what the hell is going on. Um, while saying he loved them and they are his family. Sammy told Chris that one of his goals is to be the greatest champion professional wrestling that there's ever been, which that's a little aggressive. Yeah. And all this bickering is not going to help. He takes off his jacket and he says he's quit. quit he's quit the group before. And if they don't figure this out, he'll quit again. And he drops his jacket and leaves with his two identical championship belts, mm-hmm. which are the same belt, two two belts, same belt, one championship. That's I like saying that. Um, Ortiz said first Sammy walked away, and then what's next? Ortiz says that Jericho has facts twisted. Ortiz said that all this bickering in the ring isn't going to settle anything. Ortiz spoke about where they come from, the deals using their fists. Ortiz says. Uh, Ortiz said that next week it's Santana Ortiz versus Jericho and yay Jake Hager um, <laughs> who stood so, there saying nothing for the um, entire segment so they can sell this once and for all Jericho said he never wanted to come to this and Jericho said that after he and Hager smacked him around they're going to regret this and Jericho uh, left with Hager while Santana Ortiz are standing in the ring yeah I um, despite being a little bit nervous with so much segment in the first hour I kind of liked this by the end of it um, I very much liked it I really liked what Santana had to say I thought his delivery was good I think both of them especially Santana again right? I feel like Santana usually shines pretty bright yep. but I feel like both Prime and Powerful here were just and so I like that they bookended it too right it was yep. kind of Santana started and then everyone else talked and Ortiz finished so I thought everything Santana said made sense from his point of view right that's part of it right it's like they, yeah. they have these realistic points and like you're, you kind of like agree with them yep they kind of came off as baby faces to me and that doesn't really bother me especially 
don't when know. you contrast it with Jericho talking about how when especially when he said like that you deprive the fans of watching me wrestle in that match. Like that's not a baby face thing to say. Right. I like I, I don't know, it's from. weird. Like I want them to be heel prime powerful, that being. But then also like you like they're so right here. Yeah. Uh, and then Jericho's rebuttal also seemed kind of heelish to me, as did his reaction to Guevara trying to get involved, right? Like, just shutting him down immediately. And honestly, if they want to have Jericho become, like, unhinged or be a heel again, I'm fine with that because he needs to start doing something different as far as I'm concerned. I wasn't expecting Sammy to get involved and quit, but I kind of like that too because I want him to go in a different direction and get something added to or his character. Or at least, like almost queen like he's on yeah. the verge kind of yep on the edge so to speak and he could be gone who knows ortiz wrapped things up really well um and i like this segment because to me it feels like there's several people who for me have grown kind of stale that look like they're moving in new directions all at once and i really appreciate that they got a lot done in this segment here right uh, and i was afraid i wasn't gonna like it because we've both kind of been suffering from jericho fatigue lately but I thought that this segment gave me hope for some freshness in characters and gimmicks that I think need it. So this kind of created an opportunity for some people that I think need to switch it up to switch it up. So I, I kind of like this, actually, a lot more than I thought I was going to. Yeah, I, I was I definitely came out of this like very much enjoying it. I enjoyed it a lot. I thought Santana was fantastic. I me think too. Ortiz followed suit. Um, I think they made a ton of points I agreed with. It really feels like they're going to split, which I like. It seems like they're very much in the right, and Jericho does come off kind of heelish. I think he spoke pretty well, too. Um, I like Guevara even kind of ditching, because I think he sh should also get out of this. And Hager was just there. I'm pretty sure he did literally nothing, which that's... He did that, nothing. That he stood there, which is the best use of him. He stood... He just did Jake Hager things. You know, Jake big Hager doing Jake Hager things. Yep. Well, next we have a Rapongi Vice interview. Not... Um, kind of. Shafani says that we're getting Rapongi Vice versus Young Bucks on Rampage yesterday. Uh, Matt says uh, he saw they had an interview and saw they'd say hello. And Nick says they didn't come to say hello. Why don't they fight right now? And Cole attacks them from behind. They did a BT trigger on Romero. They're about to hit with Trent, but Cole says, look who just showed up. And Mr. Switchblade Jay White comes into frame and sends Trent pretty hard into the truck. Yeah, Trent looked like he died getting through. Yes, he looked, took it like a champ. He's killed Trent twice. Yep. Trent Beretta, sorry, I mm. I did make a vow. Mm, what did you think? Uh, I thought it was cool, right? I like that they had Jay White say nothing to start. I kind of think that's cool. Like we just get to see him and sort of digest that. And again, Trent took that bump like a champ. And Jay White in AEW opens up some amazing combinations, right? I'm not a fan of the current Bullet Club, but I would like him. Like I feel like he fits in. Like if they wanted to put him in the elite, like I that's... don't think they need to go Bullet Club. Right? I'm hoping they go a different route other than Bullet Club, but definitely a major debut that sort of justified Tony Khan's hype, right? Because this is somebody working for another promotion. So this is in fact the Forbidden Door opening. So this, yeah, and he is a huge name. He is a big deal. So uh, I thought it was cool. Right. I'm finally. I'm really happy this is coming to fruition. A uh, nice short little segment, obviously just to set up the debut of goddamn switchblade so that's yep. really nice super cool for ben door uh debut here a pretty big one like you said as long as it's just the elite not really bullet club crap then i think we're good um i it took him a little while after the impact stuff for him to come here but i mean he did come here so sucks that omega is not around because they could totally reignite white versus omega and that'd be pretty they could get around to cool it, beans yeah it depends on how long um omega is out or you know mm-hmm um, so next we get Isaiah Cassie versus the mystery guy for Face the Revolution ladder match. Um, I, so yeah, Isaiah Cassie won pretty fast. It was Obviously. pretty impressive actually. 
Um, just kidding. Uh, Keith Lee came in, so he debuted. That was pretty nice. He, he, the ovation was really nice. I like how he comes out with the hood. Um, kind of, and then he's like, like I think the entrance is pretty nice. Um, and he's back to no singlet, no bear cat, like good old Keith. Thank Lee. goodness. Yep. Um, back to his former glory. Um, there's a big Beal by Lee. It was pretty might awesome. be the biggest I've seen. He was... launched this kid across the ring. Right. I I'm kind of dis- I don't think he screamed, which that would have been awesome if he did. And I thought um a Cassidy's facial expression when he saw that it was Keith Lee was really good. He did like a subtle like I'm not super comfortable with I'm this. Dead. Right? So I I thought that was cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lee Frog dropped down and then running cross body by Lee. Uh, pounce by Lee later on. A uh, corkscrew dive the outside by Cassidy, which is his only noted move. <laughs> Pretty much. Cause um and the finish comes when he Lee pops him, he pops him up into the um. Big Bang Catastrophe, which is essentially like a fireman's carry into a jackhammer, right. which I think is a kind of cool move. I hope we get a, he hits a spirit bomb in another match. Um, But anyways, Keith Lee does pick up the win after the match. Quinn tries to attack Lee, and they send him to the outside with a double drop kick. He catches a dive from Quinn and power bombs him onto Cassie's back, and then power bombs him again on the apron. So yep. I thought that was kind of a cool display after the match. I thought so, too. I thought the impressive debut for Lee, right? It was all it needed to be. He didn't need to have a lengthy match here. I thought it was a really smart choice of an opponent because he could just throw Cassidy around, right? Who could bump for him. And then I thought the beating after the match looked impressive too, right? So yeah, they've already sort of done more for Keith Lee in what, five minutes than WWE did in the entirety of his main roster run, basically, I would suggest, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I'm really happy for Keith Lee. He's a super talented guy that just got completely underused for whatever reason. So this is what happens. You leave, you come to AEW, and they treat you properly, at least. For sure. For some, to um, some degree. Yeah, I think Keith Lee was the perfect choice for the surprise spot. I think he'll fit in great in AEW. Um, I really think he's one of those can't-miss talents that WWE managed to miss. Um, so I'm really excited to see what he does here, including competing in that line match, which I think is a really nice spot for him. I think if he were to win, they'd have to give him a title run, which I don't think that he'll get, but I would love it if he did. Again, I think their roster's so big, they could definitely work with another mid-card title. I'm not sure what they would call it, but... He was something. looking humongous, too. Like, mm-hmm. just the how thick he is from sure. chest to back is just mm-hmm. a massive, massive man, for I'm sure. I'm surprised they went back-to-back with Switchblade and Lee, but I'm very happy right that now. That was interesting. Um, You're right. I was low-key hoping for Taylor Russ, but more seriously, I think they picked some amazing debuts tonight. Yeah, they, um, I they think, delivered on both yeah, of them, I they think. they delivered very much, I think, too. Great. Yep. Like, and very newsworthy, too, right? I think yes. that's really cool. Um, next, we get a Thunder Rosa Mercedes Martinez package. Um, Britt says she brought in Mercedes Martinez and not Sterling, which I thought was kind of odd. And she paid her, I guess, because she went after Thunder Rosa. I think this is, has this all happened not on Dynamite? Is that why we're like, what? Even though, because, like, isn't the Rosa Baker thing kind of done since the Lights Out match? No, I don't. I think they're coming back to it at some point. Yeah, but I feel like it's kind of random, though. Yeah, it's died down for sure. Um, And then Baker said that Martinez will face Rosa in a DQ match next week, and there was a lot of other stuff I didn't really catch, but. Yeah, I like this fine. I, I, and I At this point, I appreciate any attempt to build feuds between the more experienced and talented women on the roster, which I think this little group is a part of that. So the match should be good. So I'm happy they got a bit of time here. This was totally fine for me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I thought Breaker bringing Martinez is interesting, but and it makes sense with that history, but it does feel kind of odd because they didn't... I think it has been a lot right because the first match with um, Rosa and Martinez was Rampage. Right. Um, which I didn't see, but I heard about the DQ finish, so I guess no DQ match would be pretty cool. Yep. 
Next, we get a pretty nice tag match. It's FTR versus CM Punk and Jonathan Moxley. Correct. Which is a pretty... You, a with, super team, if you will. Which is, I think, the be- like one of the best options they could do without having to reach for a third surprise, right? Like, I feel like... Yeah. Without having to go for, like, a third debut or whatnot, like, I feel like that's, like... What, Mox and Punk together? Do, right. Like, yeah. I think Mox is a really good one because I would have thought that this would be a debut spot, right? But mm-hmm. it wasn't, so I think this is, like, a, a good way to do it without a debut. You know what I mean? Right. Because like, it was still somewhat surprising. talent, I, yeah. I, I, I mean to say. Right. Like, out of the roster they have. Um, so there's a fast fit back and forth at the beginning between Dax and Punk. Uh, Dax works over Punk's left leg. Uh, Cash works it over more afterwards. Uh, Punk dodges a corner dive and Dax hits the ring post. Mox gets a hot tag. FTR catch a slingshot dive from Punk to the outside. And then Mox hits a suicide dive to that little pile. Um, after the commercial break, Mox barely wins a 10 count and Cash goes right back on the attack. A high back suplex by Mox. A uh, hot tag flurry by Punk after the hot tag force. Um, there's a pretty nice uh, doomsday device there was. by Mox and Punk for two. A uh, ring bell shot from Cash and a brain buster by Dax for a near fall, which is pretty nice. Um, a GTS is countered into a smash contraption for a nice near fall it as was. well. But Mox breaks the pin. Um, Punk locks in an anaconda device to tap out Cash, but the rest is distracted because Mox put a choke on uh, Dax, like a sleeper hold. And he kind of just had it on like, under the ropes, but right. they weren't legal, so that doesn't matter. But the ref is kind of um on that and then later on there's a gts to tully which is always kind of funny yeah and then uh there's a simultaneous paradigm shift and gts and punk covers um for the win so punk gets his rematch yeah a really good tag team match and this isn't a criticism it followed a pretty straightforward formula right like ftr use heel tactics to get an advantage they isolate one of the faces until the other one gets a hot tag and then the fresh face dominates for a bit and i think that formula works really well and the ftr is kind of the master of it right they got ftr got a couple of really nice near falls that you mentioned um and they continue to be this team that has really strong matches but almost never wins so i don't love that but i don't find it hurts them a ton either and i don't think like realistically they need to go for the titles right now aren't they do they still the triple a ones Yes, they I didn't believe have so. Them. They, they didn't, didn't like, have bring it with them, them out. but I haven't heard they lost. Right. I, to nitpick further, I don't love an accomplished, like, really, really good tag team losing decisively to a super team, but the match was really entertaining, so I, at the end of the day, I can forgive them. I thought this was a really good match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I will say, like, the two singles guys being a top tag team trope is never the best, has been done to death, but I think this was a great match, so I'll, I'll, I'm okay with it. Um, a ton of great spots and sequences. There are some really cool ones. Um, and I think Mox and Punk made for a really cool one-time team. Um, MTR were in top form as well and has, and uh, gotten some great near falls. It also means MJF Punk two or three if you ask MJF, <laughs> um, which is also cool. And if we didn't have the world title match, this could easily main event a dynamite. I think. Like, yeah, I, think I would agree. On any regular dynamite, this is a main event. A very strong match for sure. Um, next we get Jade Cargill had a, a TBS Championship Open Challenge answered by AQA. Who's that? A terrible name competitor. First off, and it's also um, formerly known as Zayda Ramir of NXT. And fame. she has signed officially. I saw as well. Oh, that's after a, that, that's match. a waste. Yeah, I don't know. I wasn't super impressed, but um, other so than one thing, short enhancement title defense. Um, there's a deadlift slam by Cargill's AQA had a hold on her arm. An iffy tornado DDT by AQA. Um, she hits her signature shooting star press for two, which that is kind of good. her thing. Yep. Um, really nice tour of the islands by Cargill, followed by Jaded for the win. Yeah. Um, this was a longer match than I thought it was going to be, and I don't think it was perfect by any means, but the shooting star press looked cool, and I thought Jade's 
finishing combination, especially the Tour of the Islands, looked yeah, I was like, surprised. I that think was that cool. looks better than her finisher to my to me, but um, so I like the two of those things together. I thought it looked cool. I can't say I was overly impressed with AQA, and it's at the time when I was taking these notes, I was kind of annoyed that she's getting time in the only women's match on the show, but that ended up not being the only women's match. So I guess I can sort of not say that, but still. There's many other women who are not getting a ton of time, and AQA gets a match, right? But anyways, uh, it was okay. Like, Jade seems to be getting better and adding some things. Apparently, she's been working with Brian Danielson, right? So that's going to help you get better. If you can't get better with him training you, then you probably shouldn't be wrestling. Then you're doing it wrong. Right. So, I don't know. It was it was fine, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure he has a match for the women's match of the week, I said before the Same. other thing. Um, but I think all things considered for what it was, I think it was solid. Karka looked pretty good and strong. AQA got to look decent. Um, they're starting to put to put spotlight um on Cargo's undefeated streak, which is kind of interesting. They are. They're Goldbergen her a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, next we get Serena. I I don't know. If, I guess you could kind of call the other one. I don't know. These are really like women's match of the week because there's like they're both kind of squashes because we get Serena D five minute rookie challenge. She basically says because last time she beat Sky Blue in like around three minutes, and she says no one's on her level, so she says she she's got like this rookie challenge thing basically. Yep hang with her for five minutes i think it was not beat her for five in five yeah. minutes which i mean i guess that would also work but like just hang with her for five for five minutes um i want to say it was kate arquette who it is it was arquette Daughter. i think I know, you're right because i was like oh, arquette <laughs> championship lineage yes exactly um i want to say it was kate arquette i don't know for sure so pretty do sure not quote me on that um and a squash uh, corner uppercut, uh, swing neckbreaker by Deeb, and she waits for it to near four minutes, which I thought was kind of funny, and then taps out Arquette right on four minutes, so a one-minute match. And they make the, it easy for you to keep track of that. And the submission finish looked nice. Like, she gets that really yeah, deep. it, it looks painful. Yeah, lock, um, or tequila sunrise, or whatever you want to call it. So I am totally fine with Deeb getting more time and attention from this company. She looked really strong, and this one, obviously, it's set up to obviously have her just crush people. She's in the top tier of the women's division as far as I'm concerned. Um, And I thought this segment's a good use of a few minutes, right? Like, it doesn't take up much time, gets more women on TV. And if this is Deeb's new sort of gimmick, she can do more of these going forward, right? And just keep crushing people because she's awesome. So I I was totally fine with this. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think it's a really cool concept for Deeb. I think it'd be a fun gimmick to run until she has to become... She has to come calling for the... Final and match, she could I do think, the right? Brian thing where she beats people with a different move every yeah yeah for sure every week right? and as a match you'd be hard pressed to find less but I think it's a really cool thing for Deeb to be yeah. doing uh Jurassic Gun- Express Gun Club package um I'm gonna be honest and say I didn't care enough to take notes because it had already started by the time I could have taken notes and I didn't care enough to take notes because <laughs> Gun Club sucks okay. um. And Jungle Boy, uh, the one thing I did find funny though is when Jungle Boy's like, because they've been telling him, like, you put me through the snow. And I'm like, yep, that's something that bad. happened. Um, so I thought it was a fine package, but Gun Club are boring, not good, not interesting. I don't think they're good in any capacity. They're not very talented. What was and I Billy doing? Gunn is old. Because I'd missed it all together. Really? But did you miss the Bucks and Adam Cole talking? I did. Because I have that in my notes before Serena Deeb. Huh right that's interesting so i don't remember what they said specifically um, well and i don't buy gun club as challengers at all newsflash no um, of course not Jurassic express did re- retain i'm okay with the match being on rampage which is pretty telling but um i don't want them on dynamite at all but they were here so that sucks mm-hmm. 
and there was that Adam Cole thing too. So that happened. Right, and I, I can't remember what they talked about, but um, I think it was like because, because he also brought in uh, yes. re dragons. They're just like I don't know. They're kind of not trusting him. So I right. like they did kind of mention the re dragon. It's the idea of Cole's kind of being pulled in different directions, right? Which. I kind of like, and I talked about it that. Oh, well, he's a popular little boy. Well, an AEW does a better job of like people Can interact with lots of people at work, right? So it's it's the wrestling it's standard. It's not like they're isolated in a storyline, right, right? The wrestling, the normal wrestling standard is you and I have a feud. We only interact with each other and nobody else or until like that if, feud's if over. You, if if one of them has a people in a faction, then oh, they're kind of involved too, or something right. like so that. Right. So this feels a little more realistic because yeah, he's sure. dealing with people all over the place and, and he's it also bringing in jay white also gives them options if people are injured or covid protocols right they have things kind of lined up that he can go and do in whatever order they need to do it seems like human beings interact with several people during their workday, right so i kind of like the idea that yeah for, for sure. cole and maybe some others they've got multiple sort of threads on the go at the same time it makes sense to me for sure yeah and i i like it because you got redragon the box cole jay white nice right Oh, Adam Cole and Jay White, that's pretty nice. <laughs> I like that. that. That's 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 nice. That's pretty good. Yep. Um. So next we get the main event. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hangman on Page, Lance Archer, Texas Death Match, aka Last Man Standing Match, uh, for the AEW World Title. A bit of a bloodbath. A, yep, we'll call it that a bloodbath. Um, the brawl starts in the back, and Hangman hits Archer with the title, which doesn't knock him down, and he sends him through like this glass panel, which I think was for Archer's entrance. And then, of course, Archer's already bleeding when the match had just started. So that's nice. Um, Archer blocks a suicide dive by hitting Hangman with the trash can lib, which you could see coming, but still looks awesome. It did look good. Um, Lambert is unscrewing the top turnbuckle as they brawl in the crowd, which um, kind of, which they kind of point out is to take away the buckshot, which I Your think is kind of cool. Your big brain father pointed it out before they did, right? We're like, yeah. why is he doing... Oh, because the buckshot's which now I neutralized. Think that's kind of cool. Yeah, that's cool. I like that um, idea. Both are pretty bloody after the commercial break, and Hangman's got, like, the red blood. It's like you took a paint roller of blood red paint and rolled it over the one Who? side of his face, right? Was it... It was... That was Danielson last time, remember? Just the right? thickest it was Danielson. Yes, yes, crimson like mask the, the possible. The metaphorical crimson mask is yes. more Literal. than ever. Yes. Uh, Hangman wails on Archer with the kind of stick, just absolutely wailing on him. Even, I think, a couple of headshots. Hedge, like, three, I think, in yeah. the head, yeah. Um, later on, chokes him on the trash can by Archer and just flattens. Awesome. Just, I love that so yep, much. Yeah, looks good. Uh, blackout from the ring onto the side of the steel steps by Archer, which, which is pretty awesome. I honestly didn't think they were going to follow through. Yes, I thought Paige was going to slip out the back and we're going to get something right. else. Basically, but it's like Archer has him hanging for the... He's hanging Hangman for the blackout um, in the ring and then just tosses him over onto the stairs. Over the ropes, onto the stairs that are on their side on the floor. Bends, right? Oh, yeah, like, he so completely warped cool. to the steps. Um, so rolling elbows with barbed wire around his arm by Hangman, and so he does like kind of a buckshot over the ref, and he drives Archer through a table. Not to. One of them didn't break. Because that... I feel like any time like, you do something like that has to happen. Like I remember... I think it's one of the TLC matches or something. I think... Bubba Ray was goes through like the you know the classic double double stack which the four tables yep but he goes through like three of them of course of course um but so basically yeah that and then Hangman gets to his feet before Archer does and Hangman retains after the match Cole comes down grabs the title and hands it to Hangman so Ooh. yes give me that I will pay five dollars um this match very much over delivered for me i wasn't super looking forward to it and i thought archer's match last match before this wasn't very good yeah i think i was definitely right in saying like this was like kind of this definitely benefited archer right like i feel like this 
because he he's not bad but he's just like he's kind of like just a big man so he, i feel like he's pretty like limited in the right they did a good say. job of making him look like a monster here right and uh, this this type of match you're not going to get anywhere else on a major in a major company on national tv right you're not getting this in wwe no chance right so i would say this is probably a spot fest and some people might complain but that's not always a bad thing to me um the build and the story surrounding this i don't think were very strong or very lengthy but i think that also that like kind of made it like good in spite of it this match was really fun to watch parts of the crowd like i couldn't tell you the last time i've seen this they were legit screaming when he was using the fork right he stabs him in the head with the fork and then archer which i thought was a bit too far he actually licks the bloody (laughs) fork which i wasn't a fan of but like people were screaming in the crowd like from before um kayfabe was dead you know what i mean so you don't see that very often um i thought archer was elevated in this match he looked like an absolute monster and I think, like, credit to Hangman Page, because this is clearly, like, a placeholder challenger, right? And he's willing to do anything, obviously. He's willing to get, like, thrown off out of the ring onto the steps, right? In a spot that I actually didn't think was going to happen. Um, Everybody knew who was going to win this match. But in the meantime, these guys told a good story and kept me entertained. And it's just an absolute bloodbath. Um. And I'm not always a big fan of hardcore matches or whatever, but I thought this was a really fun match, a very good main event that I exceeded my expectations by quite a bit. So just a feather in the cap to both of them, but especially Paige, right? Even your challenger that we know isn't going to beat you, you had one heck of an entertaining match. So I was very happy with this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I was definitely right in saying that the Archer or that Archer got benefited from the stipulation, not because he's done these before, but because I think it just hides his relative lack of wrestling ability and he thrives in these matches, which he definitely did here. There were some cool spots, like the black guy on the stairs, the trash can choke slam table spot, and also the glass. I thought it was kind of cool because that was like right off the bat, pretty much. Yes, um, a lot to like here. I forgot about that one. Right? Um, Lambert taking with the top turnbuckle or top rope, sorry, for the buckshot was smart, even if JR kind of tease the finish a bit but i think overall very nice main event and like a a nice like kind of rare big time match on a non-tv special you know yeah nothing just a regular episode dynamite you're getting like a big brawl for the world title you know so yeah it was good it was pretty nice um what are you thinking about the show in a letter grade well let's see we got a tag team match i really enjoyed i i think I don't like I really like the main event. I might have enjoyed the tag match a little bit. I just think Both that was excellent. like really nice. Yeah, for excellent sure, for main sure. event. Excellent tag team match. Yep. Um, a really good inner circle promo that over delivered for me. Um, a very cool Penta segment. Oh, yes. I like nice. the angle that Deeb's kind of taking here. Same. Um, is there anything I really didn't like? We got a Keith Lee debut. We got a Jay White debut. I, I'm going to go with an A-. minus. It could have been an A if there were a little bit more uh, wrestling involved because a lot of it was like really quick Jade match, really quick Deeb match, really quick Wardlow match, right? But um, the segments, a lot of stuff over-delivered on this show for me. I was very entertained. So I'm going an A-. Minus and I, an A wouldn't like be out of the question. It was almost there for me, but I'll stick with an A- minus this week. Interesting. You? Um, so I think the matches on the show definitely delivered. Um, starting on two squashes is never the best, but one of them was Keith Lee's squash, which is actually True. really nice for a squash. Like, I think he looked the best he has in a very long time. Um, not just because he didn't have to wear a singlet. Um, Wardlow's squash was routine. I thought FTR versus Punk and Mox was awesome. Could main event any regular Dynamite. Honestly, like, I think that was a really nice match. 
Um, maybe liked it a little better than the main event, but I think that was still amazing too. Um, sets up Punk for MJ free match, which also should be pretty good. I assume that's gonna go for Revolution probably. I would think. I yeah, that like, makes sense. I don't remember when it is. I want to say like March twenty something or something. I don't know, but I think it's like close enough that they could hold out till then. The Cargill TV is title defense was a fine squash, and I think the Deeb thing was pretty cool. Um, the main event was just pretty sick. Um, I think a great win for Hangman, I think, just makes him look cool and set up another amazing challenger for him. So I think Cole Hangman at Revolution, which would be awesome. Yep. No, I don't think Cole's winning, which no, is the sucky part, either. but I think that's going to be one hell of a match. I think also Hangman could sell the crap out of a Panama and Rise. Um, but True. for segments, I think the opening segment, like, that can be a gamble sometimes, but I think that Celebration segment was actually kind of a good, like, I feel like MJF, like, that's the kind of segment that would work starting out, like, so I think that was really good. Yep. Andre Darby thing was fine. Penta promo uh, was super cool and just very intriguing. The Inner Circle team meeting was probably the segment of the night. Um, some great promo work all around. I think that was really nice. Loved the segment debuting Jay White. That was, that was great. A really cool debut. Rosa Martinez package is fine. Um, so a pretty enjoyable show. You got some newsworthy talking points, some great segments, and some enjoyable matches. I didn't find like any of the squash matches to be super offensive either. Nope. Sometimes they kind of suck. You know what I mean? But yep. like I think the Keith Lee one even being very good. So I'm gonna give it an A minus. I enjoyed it a lot. Very good. good show this week. It's nice to see. There's a couple episodes I didn't love of Dynamite. It seems no, like they're kind of back. Was really really hitting cool. their stride. Mm-hmm. Awesome. All right, well, let's move into a little bit of trivia. I'm going to pick up where we left off last week in our segment called Off the Top of His Head. All right, so we're going to go back to the second round of questionable gimmicks and characters, courtesy of Bleacher Report, and then I modify some and pull some. Isn't it weird if I'm kind of empty behind my earlobe? I don't know. I guess it's a little weird. (laughs) All right. So I think there's about 20 of them left. And they're probably not too hard, but they're kind of fun to think about, right? So from the early 90s, a professional athlete who had been kicked out of every league he had competed in. Oh, the goon. Yes. And then my other point was... Supposed to be Jericho? that, That too. But he also... Like, how stupid is it that he wore his hockey gear to the ring? Yeah, I don't get it. That's that'd be like it was new, the 90s, man. That would be like wearing a prison outfit to wrestle, huh? Was, er, huh? Well, even worse, though, because it's like cumbersome, not... I don't know, anyways. Right. Um, let's see. What do we have next? Claimed that his family heritage stretched back to the pirate Blackbeard. <laughs> you know, Paul or, Birchill. Paul Birchill. Pirate Paul Birchill. And it was the other clue I had was it was a blatant ripoff of Johnny Depp's character from Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, nice. Which it looked like and just then like him, basically. He, then he went on to a character that teased incest. Right. With Kate, with his sister, Katie Lee or Katie Lynn. Or Katie yeah, Lee. It was Katie Lee Birchall. Yeah. yeah. Former Cruiserweight champion was drafted to Raw and denounced his Mexican heritage, changing his name. <laughs> yeah. Carolyn White. Right. Uh, drove a golf cart. <laughs> if it ain't white, it ain't right. Drove a golf cart, wore a button-up sweater tied around his neck and his caddy was nick nemeth which is now Dolph Ziggler. correct I'm, I'm the catchphrase was if it ain't white it ain't right so this that's is not like the best thing ever yeah that's really really cool wwe um this is a group now so in wcw a group of wrestlers who were fired by eric bischoff for not helping his group the new blood fight their enemies uh three count nope the members were given ridiculous military rank names oh. Like Corporal Cajun. And um, General Rexon. Hugh G. Rexon, yes. 
Lieutenant Loco. Yep. Um, yeah, that's Misfits in Action, yeah. G.I. Bro. Yep, Misfits mm. in Action. G.I. Bro was Booker T. Yep. Uh, <laughs> General Erection. That's funny. A late 80s movie character that WWE tried to make an actual wrestler. He didn't last long. Zeus? Correct. He was, my other clue was an inexperienced monster who starred opposite Hulk Hogan in a pretty bad movie, and he was really oh, bad in the ring. you should watch that. 1996 WCW thought it would be a good idea to try and appeal to the fans of the widely popular Mortal Kombat video game, and this character was one of the results. Avatar? Nope. No. Oh, um, Glacier? No, that Correct. Was, was that WWE or was that WCW? WCW. Okay, yeah. Had one of the most, this is the other clue, and one of the most extravagant entrances of all time, which included blue laser lights and synthetic snow falling from the ceiling. Uh, the final clue was it would take upwards of two minutes performing routines and removing his gear, which was estimated to have cost $35,000. And what a waste of time. <laughs> uh, next one. In WCW, this character was a mix of several different characters from the Mortal Kombat games. Avatar? Nope. Oh, Why thinking Avatar? I don't know. Formed a tag team with Wrath. Was played oh, 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 by the oh, late... Oh, Mortis. Yep, by the late and one of my favorites, Chris Canyon, who I thought was awesome. Um, in WCW, former Adam Bomb debuted as a martial artist dressed mostly in black with a helmet complete with horns. Oh, I don't, th- I don't know if I've heard of that. He eventually ditched the I helmet he and formed a tag team with Mortis, who we just discussed. I don't, now you got to tell me. I don't. Wrath. Know. I used him in the clue oh, before. Wrath. It was Wrath and Mortis. I, I don't know that's what Wrath is. I knew he was Wrath, yeah. but. Uh, next one, Wendy. This one's too easy. When he debuted in WWE, he crawled onto the stage with an oversized clock on his in his mouth. Oh yeah. He staggered down the ramp. He would smash the clock against his head and would eventually eat worms. Hey, hey is this a stupid game? Because Boogeyman's great. Okay, yeah. don't you dare. Do you know his story? He was on. Was it Tough Enough or whatever? Uh, I don't know. And he was kicked off because he lied about his age. He was much older than he said he was, but then he came back as this gimmick. The boogeyman's awesome. Uh, only need one clue for this. The special needs nephew of Raw General Manager <laughs> Eric Bischoff. Eugene. Correct. That's awesome. This one, I'm not sure if you know. WCW 2000, so at the very end when things were getting super awful, he started becoming assessed, obsessed sorry, with overweight women calling himself oh, Chick Thriller the f- Mike Awesome, obviously. <laughs> you do know that. Of course. He then transformed into what after that? Do you know? Oh. Based off a TV know. show? I should. He was that 70s guy. Right. Yeah. Poor <laughs> Mike, <laughs> Mike awesome. awesome is so good, and WCW just refused Fat to. Chick Thriller, baby. So bad. 1995, the man who would become a future star in ECW appeared as the evil twin brother of Santa, who lives at the South Pole and steals oh presents God. from children. Santa Claus. <laughs> right. Do you know who he actually was? Uh, No, I don't think Balls so. Balls Mahoney. Really? Yeah, man. Interesting. Next one. WCW, a face-painted character, so that's up your alley. Ooh. Oh, who was Kiss Demon? Who was seen in vignettes standing outside of a child's bedroom window. Seven. Wow, you got off that clue, eh? Yes. I remember because that, that's like his, that was the whole thing is that like and then the children's eye was black or something. And then when he made Our his... eyes de- were black, right? When he made his debut, he floated from the entrance ramp to the ring with lights and ambiance similar to Undertaker. Yes, it was seven. Instead of gold dust, it was white dust. Part human, part animal from the mid-1990s WWE? Mantar? Yes. Yeah, Mantar. (laughs) Yeah, would frequently headbutt Maul and even moo at his opponents. (laughs) Uh, This one's interesting from WCW. Take Spider-Man, change the color slightly, and package him as a wrestler. Oh, hmm. 
In okay. fact, my other clue is Marvel Comics sued WCW, forcing the gimmick to be dropped. I don't know. So what if you were making like a knockoff Spider-Man, what might you call it? And you'll probably get there. Uh, do you know what do you know what the fear of spiders is? Arachnophobia. So make that a man. Arachnophobia man. Arachnoman. Oh my god. Really? <laughs> yep. Um Arachnoman, that's awesome. A cyborg hailing from the future. Oh. I feel like I should know this. Um, oh, you will once I say who originally played him. No, I don't know. Originally played by Conan, but eventually replaced. Max Moon? Correct. Mm. Debuted. Oh, he was supposed to be oh Cyborg. Uh, this one made me laugh because I just watched this. You know, I've been watching old, bad wrestling. Debuted in a block of ice on November 23rd, 95 episode of Monday Nitro. The Yeti? Correct. I like how you say it that way, too. The uh, Yeti. Yeah, that's how you have um, to say it. Yes, he. That, Otherwise, he, you're doing it wrong. He's one of the worst ever. Managed by the next one, sorry. Managed by Merlin the Wizard, he dressed in a long green robe and <laughs> was based on a famous book and movie. Played by <laughs> Kevin Nash. Correct, and it is Oz. Oz. That oh, was uh, that's an all-time bad one. He was with what Diamond Stud. Yes, that's what Hall Hall was. I think super was. bad. 1999, Eric Bischoff struck a deal with the band to create a wrestler based yes, on. Yes, there it is, Kiss Demon. Correct. That's funny. And it was supposed to start a stable, apparently, of a bunch of them. And my final clue, sadly... I wish they had done that. That would have been funny. My final clue, sadly, was recently showed up on Impact. (laughs) That would... Oh, imagine. Now I wish there was a faction. That would have been funny. The final two are pretty easy. I only need one clue for this one, because who else could it be? Hatched from a mysterious egg at the Survivor Series. Gobbledygooker. Correct. I almost feel bad. Oh, 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 oh. Hector Guerrero. Correct. Um, I almost feel bad that he got booed because he's just a chicken man. Uh, last one. A Star Wars stormtrooper mask covered in glitter. Oh, yeah. Nice. A long black vest and a piece of lumber carelessly placed on the floor. Shock. Ended this gimmick real quick. Shockmaster. Right. What was even, like, the idea behind Shockmaster? I can't remember like, what it was. I don't understand. But it was a, that's his legendary... That's, mm-hmm. like... That's his claim to fame. That and Titus's fall are probably the two yeah. most famous ones, Which I you think. can, like, never replicate. All right, so you crushed that pretty easy. But we'll go back to some other trivia next week. But that will now bring us back to talking about more wrestling as we take a quick look at this week's NXT UK. So this show kicks off with Amal heading to the ring. We're shown quickly a recap of the replay, I guess, of the segment last week where Nina Samuels kind of came out of nowhere to interview her. They ended up having words leading to this match. So it is Amal versus Nina Samuels. We get some holds and counters to start. Um, Amal ends up hitting a butterfly suplex at one point. Samuels uses the ring apron um, to take control of this match for a long time in the middle that wasn't very impressive to me. We get a slingshot move by Samuels that barely lands. It kind of landed on Amal's legs, I don't think was the initial plan. Amal finally gets a chance with some clotheslines, a knee, and a running senton. She goes for the hope breaker. It's countered by Samuels into a backbreaker, which I think was the most impressive thing she did. Then we get a nice running boot to the face to, um, to Samuel sitting in the corner. And she Amal does hit the hope breaker and Amal wins the match. Um, I'll talk about it first just to give you a minute. I wasn't a huge fan of this match. Um, it was mostly... Yeah, I didn't. I was like, I mean, I usually have paid attention to the show because that's what I do. But like this yeah. one, I was like struggling to pay attention even more you know what i mean like, so it, i usually try to i think that that was the fault of the layout and nina samuels because they gave her control of like 
the vast majority of the middle of I this. I feel like and she's it, like... I she was just basic and not interesting for this. She doesn't look like a wrestler, if that makes she sense. She didn't really wrestle like a wrestler, I didn't find here either. <laughs> Amal's flurry was fine, and her finishing sequence I were don't like her finisher, the, best, the best things about this. Um, I think Amal has potential, but Samuels didn't impress me, and I thought this match was kind of a dud, frankly. Yeah, she should stick to the segments. Right. Um, we then get a recap of the really strange Huxley A-Kid stuff from last week that I don't really like. The A-Kid is going to... It doesn't really like... Civilize some... Huxley, who's basically a caveman. Something... Or... There's some sort of disconnect for me. Me too. Um, and then we get this week's segment where A-Kid is trying to get Huxley to calmly repeat a, repeat a phrase, right? Like I get him, guess to get him to enunciate and speak calmly, but Huxley keeps yelling like a Neanderthal and messing it up and then a kid leaves the room right and then huxley does finally say it calmly but only once a kid's not there so i i i didn't like this i don't understand what's going on it seems like a bizarre choice for a kid to be doing right now so i don't think you were a fan either were you yeah i i there's just i don't like get it because like the i guess the match was like so yes he, then there's okay, that it right, talked about so. that Last week they said that these guys were gonna have a match because he because he was trying to civilize him. So I then guess. he's but then I I don't, I don't get it. I don't either. I don't know. I, I like I'm trying to like I I just that's all I can say is I don't get it. I don't either. I didn't like it. Um, we then get um Shah and Noam Dar are walking down the hall talking about season two of Dar's talk show coming soon. They go into a room. Someone sneaks behind them. I think it was Wolfgang grabs the, what is it, the Heritage Cup um, and then uses a nearby like wire rack that's there to wedge against the door to sort of lock Dar and Shaw Samuels in and he leaves with the cup. I don't know. I, I guess it was fine. It's creating a little bit of intrigue on the show of where's the cup gone and what are they going to do with it? And I thought like the payoff of Dar's reaction to having the cup stolen would probably be worth it. I'm not sure if it was. Right, because but... Dar's a funny boy. Yeah, so I don't know. I, I didn't have much thought about this. It was just leading to a, a later Yeah, it's segment, more of right? like a setup rather yeah, than exactly. a thing. We then get a recap of the Mako Satomura Davenport match that unfortunately ended with Davenport really badly hurting her leg. The ref Which calling for a stoppage. They showed it again. To... <laughs> just in case you didn't see her leg fold up like a cheap... It almost makes me. It almost makes me wish like the um AEW just the next week. No, not even like on ramp. No, like on rampage, and then also next week they just decide to re replay the table choke slam. Phoenix. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, we then get footage from last week, where Carter and Smith, fresh off their win against Mastiff and Stars, run into Mustache Mountain backstage. There's a bit of an interaction. Seven tells them to check out the commentary from the match because he's the one that did it. They then exchange words, I guess, building before they have their title match. I don't know. I thought it was standard stuff. It was fine. It was nothing really of note, I didn't think, unless you have some sort no, of special note. it was just like baby faces trying to be nice while being like, <laughs> backhanded compliment It was like something. two baby faces, yeah, trying to build a bit of heat before yeah, their match, it's, right? it's weird. We then get, I don't know, this was, I, I, I didn't get this either. It was supposed to be Supernova Sessions, right, but... The Gallus boys have work. taken over the set, and it's Gallus boys on talk. And so Dar was going to have Jordan Devlin on, right? So Devlin's still there, and they basically convince him. Like, Mark Coffey's like, oh, yeah, yeah, come on. We'll interview you still. And, like, he starts out complimenting Devlin's hair and jacket, right? And then Devlin says, the only thing that made me laugh was Devlin said that 
Mark's fat back has stretched out two of his jackets. That was my favorite part of this. <laughs> so then it, it sets up like Mark's about to do a serious interview with Devlin. And then as he's about to ask his first question, they basically want to end the segment, right? Ha ha ha, I guess. Um, so then Dar, Dar and Shaw Samuels come out. Dar's obviously upset that what has happened to his set and that it's been sort of taken over. Then my notes become people say stuff and Joe Coffey and Dar square off. And the segment ends with Coffey telling Dar that he better hold on tight to the cup. So I felt like, I don't know, did you, what did you think about this? I I thought they uh, were, there was too much going on here and, yeah, and like, not enough Noam Dar. Right? Yeah. Like, it just like wasn't what, it, I don't know, it should have just been like, if they cut off Supernova Sessions, sure, fine. Yeah. But like, I would have just liked Supernova Sessions at least a bit. Yeah, because the exchange between what I wanted was Dar and Joe Coffey to interact, right? Because that's the match they're building to. So I don't know why Mark Coffey got so much time and that they, they went through with having Devlin there. And then Shaw Samuels came in and said a bunch of stuff that felt really unnecessary. So I wasn't really interested in like 75% of this. I was kind of disappointed because I've been telling you, I find Dar and the Supernova sessions are entertaining, right? But this doesn't really count as an episode, I guess. So I... I don't know. I didn't get this segment. I I wasn't entertained. I thought there was too much going on and none of it was really very successful, I guess. I don't know. But we're going to get coffee and Dara and that should be good. Uh, from earlier today, Dave Mastiff, right, walks up to Jack Stars in the locker room. And I guess he's at Mastiff's locker. So he wants to know why Jack Stars is touching his stuff because they sort of had some dissension, right, in their tag team match that cost them the match against Carter and Smith last week. So Stars still wants to be a team. And he wants to earn Mastiff's respect. And apparently the it's symbolized by the vest. There's a lot of talk of the vest. Yeah. This magical vest. I don't, like, I don't, again, I there don't understand. I don't know what's going on. Um, anyways, Mastiff finally agrees to help Stars earn his respect and they walk off. So I, I didn't like this either. The fixation on the vest seemed off unless they've built this vest as something in the past that i don't know uh, about being relatively it's new like, it's not even like it has something to do with like um it's not even, it's not like say he's former military guy and he's no, got like came it's up just pants. a vest with his name on not it. not even like that so i don't it's, i don't like does it mean something and i'm just missing it i the i am too then i don't know I mean, we haven't been watching regularly for that long, so maybe this vest has some right but um, previous I, build I, to it, it but i doubt looks it like it's been it, it looks like it's been his, his entrance gear for the whole time. Right? Like, I don't... Am I, am I missing... And, like, like Jack Stars is, like, looking at it like, oh, man, if I could just earn one of these vests, you know, that'd be my... I'd be sick. Maybe he just doesn't like his entrance jacket. And and I, I think you would agree that my other criticism is on a show that gets one hour a week, these two would not be anything I would focus on. Yeah, Agreed? I would, like, focus on... Like, you give him a YouTube segment. <laughs> nice. Then we get a strange Kenny Williams vignette where he's, like... In front of a green screen thunderstorm it, setting, I guess. To me, it looks like a projector. Could be that too. Yeah, like, like something. A, like it didn't look like because it looked like he's kind of like like it looks. It it looks like um it just looked like not a green screen but like kind of like a project. It looked more projector like you know You're what right. I mean. Like he was standing in front of it and it was projecting over top of him and behind him kind of thing, and it was something about like being afraid of thunder. Or other people being afraid of thunder. But then I like the comparison. He compares Gradwell to thunder. Because basically he's around for a while making a whole bunch of noise. And then he's just gone. So I thought that was kind of funny. Um, so I, he was trying really hard here to be like super weird and dark. Right? So 
I hope it works because I like that kind of thing, but I still need to see more. Like, I feel like I can't decide based off of this vignette if I liked it or not because I, at some point I might be like, nope, it's not working. He's trying too hard, but I'm still, I'm open to it. I just need to see more. I don't know. What did you think of it? Yeah, like, I don't know. I th- it, was, it was weird. I don't know. It, was, it was fine because I think King Williams is kind of cool, but um, I, I don't know. It was just kind of... The segments awful. on this show, man, were yeah, bizarre this week, I felt. We then get a bit of a surprise match for me. It's Saxon Huxley taking on A-Kid. They announced it last week. I know, but I mean, like, a surprising in that I quite enjoyed it, actually. Oh. Um, so Huxley, early on, is avoiding A-Kid, keeps trying to get a hold of his leg, because Huxley's like the the Hoss kind of wild man, I guess, would be his sort of gimmick, right, would you say? Yes. Like the unpolished kind of just brawler kind yeah. of caveman. I don't know what he's doing. Anyways, You're a caveman. We get a Fez press. Huxley slams A-Kid's head on the mat repeatedly body slam by huxley before he picks a kid up and runs him into the corner chest first we get a backbreaker by huxley and he starts to sort of focus on the back here he then gets an over the shoulder backbreaker a kid finally escapes that we get submissions and a nice drop kick by a kid and then a nice counter by huxley into another backbreaker suicide dive by a kid high cross body by a kid and he transitions into an arm bar and then a big uranagi backbreaker by huxley is going back to that back again was so, I put sliced bread question mark because it was a kid sort of pushing off of the turnbuckles as I don't Huxley was going for something, and then he delivers that kind of flying kick to the head that he does that looks pretty cool for a two count. A kid does a backflip off the top into a DDT for the win. I don't know because I don't know. Like I think it's better, but I feel like if I complain about Jake Atlas's DDT, I should complain about that one. <laughs> it looks like, cool. I think, I, think. Like, I think that one's a little better. He kind of does like the Escalera with the hand grip. Yes. So at least there is that, but I, I don't. I think it's like a cool move, but I don't think it needs to be like a... I don't think it's a match ender. Right. I like the in the the thing that he does with the arms. Oh, yes. The, the where he the, cranks them back whatever behind Whatever it you. is. That yeah. thing. Um, these two end up shaking hands after the match, so it looks like whatever this storyline that I don't understand or care for is going to continue, I guess. Um, but I was surprised. I quite like this match. I came away kind of impressed with Huxley especially his targeting of A-Kid's back with some with some high-impact-looking stuff. I thought A-Kid gave Huxley a lot, which isn't quite what I expected, but A-Kid still got some flurries of his own, and he ultimately got the win. So that's another match this week that kind of over-delivered for me, even though I don't understand or like the story behind it. I thought the match was pretty good. Did What did you think? Yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't like it as much as you did, but I thought it was fine. Again, I'm half paying attention, but like, yeah. I, I think it was pretty good. Um. Again, I would have liked the submission finish. I, I feel like also if, like, I don't know, if the storyline was better, I'd probably get more into it. I think it was a good match, but, again, the storyline just kind of lost me. Me too. Um, we then, we go to Gallus again. They're backstage celebrating their interaction with Dara and Devlin. They're walking down the hall. Wolfgang heads down a different hallway. I think something about going to get them drinks, maybe. And he's immediately attacked from behind by Devlin. It might have been with a chair. I think It, it was. was. Yeah. And then Devlin just kind of leaves him lying and walks away. So I just, I like that Devlin got some revenge because I thought he looked kind of silly in that segment earlier. So I did like that they went back to it and he just attacked Wolfgang, I guess, because that'll probably set up a match there that Devlin can win, right? So I didn't have a problem with this. Of all the segments on this show. And it I'd was, like to see Devlin side of and, Wolfgang. And it was super short. So uh, A-Kid is then stopped backstage and asked about his match. 
He thinks the work with Huxley has paid off and that Huxley has finally found himself. I don't think so. And then D Familia walk by as they're heading out for the main event and Akid and Dempsey sort of share like a yes. nod back and forth. It almost looked like a respectful, friendly, respectful. No, it more like, I don't know, Dempsey's like just looks kind of like me. Like I feel like it's like more like a, because they're both technical Yeah, boys. that's true. So that's maybe setting something up in the yes, future, which it, would be cool. that would be nice. Uh, we then move to the main I event, like which is D Familia's Teoman, accompanied by Dempsey and Raja. For some reason in my head, I thought there was a match after this. T- I don't know why. Taking but... on Nathan Fraser. Because um, it's weird. Like, they've been doing four matches on Rampage, which is the right. same length. Like, but know, they had been... to get all of those amazing segments in today on that's UK. True. All those uh, that's things true. we don't understand. So we get an aggressive start. Both of them look pretty intense right away. Uh, Fraser showing off his speed. We get a nice drop kick by Fraser. Tailman then drops Fraser's stomach first across the ropes and hits a a neck breaker with over the top turnbuckle. You know what I mean? Like the the area between the turnbuckle pad and the post. He sort of draped Fraser's neck on that, which I thought right. was an interesting way to do a neck breaker. Tailman does things a bit different. I quite enjoy him. Uh, Tailman then stays in control with some holds and strikes. Fraser moves. Tailman runs into the turnbuckle before being thrown to the floor. Moonsault by Fraser off the barricade as they're out on the floor still. Raja causes a distraction. Teoman uses the ring apron to trap Fraser and stomp him. We get a neck vice and then a running. I thought this was a nice running forearm to the back of the neck by Teoman. His stuff looks pretty stiff, right? He looks uh, pretty aggressive. Fraser flips off the ropes but stops and sells his neck like he couldn't deliver what he wanted to. And I like this too because Teoman immediately hits a missile drop kick to the back of Fraser's neck that looked cool. We get a desperation super kick at one point by Fraser. Both men are down. They sprint at each other, right? And we rewound this because it looked nuts. Fraser lands, looked like a huge forearm right across his face as they're both right. running as fast as they can at each other. Fraser dives onto all three de Familia on the floor, rolls Tailman back in for a near fall off of a springboard elbow drop. Fraser attempts a moonsault off the, I think it was the second rope. Uh, Tailman kicks him in the face, hits a signature move, I forget what it was called, for a near fall here. And then hits a nasty-looking diving forearm for another near fall. As Fraser just, the story is basically, he won't stay down. He's getting hit with all kinds of offense, but he just won't stay down. We get a jumping in Siguri out of nowhere by Fraser. And then Fraser fights off the other two D-Familia and ends up hitting a pretty nice-looking Phoenix Splash for the win. Um, I really like this match. I kind of thought it was excellent. I thought Tailman looks calculating and vicious. He has this, like really slow methodical pace but then he hits some really like a flurry a quick flurry of stuff that looks pretty intense i quite like him and then fraser's a really good baby face that just won't stay down or give up right so i kind of like the dynamic in this tailman's style is really interesting and the contrast between his and Fraser's style worked for me one's really trying to just go full speed ahead the other one's trying to throw slow things down a little bit um this match i thought got a lot of time i thought it showcased both men really well my only nitpick is if you want to have Fraser win, fine. But I don't like that he had to win with interference from D Familia, right? Like he basically took out all three of them. And I don't think that that's the strongest look for a heel faction, right? The fact that with two other people interfering, you still can't beat the baby right. face. Um, but other than that, I thoroughly enjoyed this match. I thought it was really good. Did you? I think you were paying attention to this one. It must have been good. It got yeah. your attention. Yeah, Um. I think... There were some cool parts, um, and I think Tailman. Uh, the only thing I didn't love was when he had when he was doing the trap in the apron. He was kind of, I feel like he was stomping so slow that Fraser could have gone out of it. Right. 
Um, but other than that, I think it was good. Um, I think a bit of a Styles Conscious is cool. I think, is Freezer, like, he's a super flippy guy, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I feel like, I don't know, I feel like I've been seeing a lot of that. I feel like it's been mostly, like, a little more basic, which, is, I mean, it's fine. I think he's still really good. I, I would love Dempsey versus Fraser next, because I think yep. that's a very interesting Styles contrast. But It would be. Um, I think this is pretty good, but um, doesn't really save the show. No, I, uh, so I struggled ranking the show, because... I liked two of the three matches. I liked the Huxley A-Kid, and I really liked the main event, but I didn't care for any of the segments other than maybe the Kenny Williams. I think I'm going to see plus it, just because I think I, I liked the two matches, but like I didn't love them, and then the first match wasn't great. The segments were odd. Right, so I was close with you. I said the main event was strong enough I could still give it a B-, minus, but C-plus was my other thought, right? So I think that's fair. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So yeah, there were some good things, but honestly, the segments were all pretty much missable, I thought, this week. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's move into talking about, I think we don't have much in this segment, but we'll still hit some any other wrestling business. All right, it's time to talk some NXT. I was one of the 400,000 worldwide that actually watched it, so I don't know. Um, The idiots. (laughs) I would say it deserved the 400,000 off of last week's show, which I thought was atrocious, right? So hopefully this one's a little bit better. Um, Let's see. Starts out good. It was the Dusty Tag Team Classic, so Grizzled Young Veterans and the Creed Brothers. So I thought this was a really good back-and-forth match, a good choice for the opener. What was there? The Veterans used some cool heel tactics. They hit a decapitator on the underside of the ring to Brutus. You got a doomsday device to Julius at one point. The Creeds did lots of their usual throws and suplexes, including that gut wrench. Uh, I think it's, I don't know, one of them gut wrenches the other one on to somebody into a splash, which I like. Uh, The finish came when Julius suplexed Drake and followed up with a power slam. And then Brutus hit Gibson with his like his standard low diving clothesline, right? I don't like that. Sometimes it looks pretty impactful, Yes, but I find... A, it's too simple for a finisher. Like you could use that as like a regular move. That's fine, but I don't think that should but be. But it an follows ending. up. But usually follows something else. And all right, but also I feel like Brutus stepping in to do it instead also gives like there's too much time in between because yeah. I have seen the clip right. So I feel like it's a little like if you're gonna like do a powerful slam and then follow up quick with that. Right. Sure, I guess. Because there's NXT a lag. Finishers, yeah, there's like a little too much space. So um. You get the Creeds winning in about 12 minutes, so which I expected a Creed win here. And I really enjoyed the match. The Creeds continue to impress me in the ring. And their Grizzled Young veterans are solid veteran, no pun intended, opponents for them to work with, right? I wish Grizzled Young veterans were booked a little more strongly, but at this point in 2.0, I don't think there's much chance, and at least they're not doing that ridiculous whatever those few vignettes were that we hated so much when 2.0 first started. Uh, the, they, the, the Home Alone house plan. They seem to have gotten away from that, so that's good. Uh, Cora Jade is all dressed in black this week, and she's talking to Mackenzie. Jade reminds us that she is teaming up with Raquel Gonzalez because she earned Gonzalez respect in their match last night, and they're going to enter the Dusty Cup Whoopie. tournament. So Feroes and Leon walk up, and they say that they know they have a lot to prove and that Cora and Raquel have a lot of competition. And then Gonzalez shows up, and an interesting choice here. The rest of this segment is completely in Spanish. And basically, the, and we don't get subtitles or anyone explaining anything to us, which I thought was didn't really bother me because you kind of get what's going on, right? 
So basically, I think Gonzalez is sticking up for Cora Jade. Basically, um, it ends with Gonzalez saying she's the that Gonzalez is the only one that can call Jade that, and then Jade walking away wanting to know what the other women called her, right? So I, I didn't have a problem with this. I thought it was interesting choice to have the majority of it in Spanish with no subtitles or anything else, but I thought it was a cool way to do it. Um, I don't really think everyone involved did a great job here because, again, in their defense, they're learning. Like, hey, you're going to learn to be an actor on TV while people watch you, which kind of sucks. Yeah, but the idea, the idea was interesting, at least. Uh, Wendy Chu and Amari Miller are returning to the arena after going on a shopping spree with Tiffany Stratton's credit card. So they bought a bunch of stuff before the card got canceled. And this is now the kind of stuff that isn't for me. I, this might be them trying to get younger viewers. I don't know. Wendy Chu is strictly a joke character at this point, and the story is juvenile. So here's my new thing, Jackson. So it'll be a nice indicator for you. I'm going to start referring to these segments as NXT Junior High as an homage to like the famous Canadian TV show Degrassi Junior High. So they're particularly juvenile things. I'm going to have like another segment from NXT Junior High, and there's a couple coming up, just so we we're clear. I'm surprised it's not like an actual segment. Or like, it's what this show feels like. How have they not resisted the urge to wrestle house something? You mm. know, something like that. We then get Tiffany Stratton taken on Wendy Chu. Um, the match did exceed Grappling my expectations. Over card. But those were really low expectations. Um, we get a handspring splash, a drop kick, and a twisting. It's like a corkscrew Vader bomb from Stratton, and she wins in three minutes. Um, so I think Chu is actually pretty talented, but she now does like. Everything she does basically is some sort of sleep-related pantomime before she hits her move, and it's just, I find it off-putting. Um, and the fact that she's losing to Stratton in three minutes doesn't say much about Wendy Chu's positioning right. I think her kicks would actually look pretty cool if she weren't delivering them in slippers. Um, and actually, Stratton, as much as I want to criticize her, she looked totally fine here, considering like she's not, totally fine. She's not super experienced, right? I didn't see any major mistakes, and the corkscrew vader bomb is pretty impressive to be honest um but again it was only a three minute match so what can you say uh draco anthony's disappointed with his performance last week well, he works harder than everyone so it shouldn't he be does and still loses real quick uh joe gacy and harlan come up and gacy tells draco not to be disappointed he tried his best and that he doesn't have to do this alone gacy is here to listen to anthony's actions and his words and he walks out and harlan stays for a minute and just stares at at anthony so at this point, I'm still on board with Joe Gacy. I think he can like continue to try and re recruit people like he is here, and they can either join him if they wish. They could add people to his group, or it obviously sets up matches, which I assume is what's happening here, right? And I think Gacy's really good in this character, so I don't really have I have an issue with a lot of things on this show, but he's not one of them. And he's, he's dropped five of them. He's dropped all of the woke catchphrases too. He doesn't use those right. all the time, which is nice. Uh, Mackenzie asks Pete Dunn about Tony D'Angelo, and Dunn says D'Angelo talks too much, and he's noticed that since D'Angelo lost to Cameron Grimes, he hasn't said anything or posted anything online. Next week, he says they finished this like it started in a steel cage. So then Draco Anthony walks up, and he says that um, D'Angelo may not respect Dunn, but he does, and he'll see him in the ring tonight, <laughs> and he sort of extends his hand for a handshake, and Dunn just kind of says, whatever, and he's still going to snap his fingers and he doesn't shake his hands and he walks off. So I I think Dunn is the complete package now. Like, I've always loved him. He's been one of my favorite wrestlers since he debuted. 
but he is way more comfortable on camera and cutting promos now. It's too bad he's trapped in WWE. Um, the stuff that's written for him isn't always great, but I think he's really consistent now in his promos, which he was not. He was kind of the strong, silent type for a while, right? Um, so then we get the match, I guess, with Draco, Anthony, and Pete Dunn. My notes sort of were not the best here. Um, Dunn takes a belly-to-belly, -belly, ends up on the outside. Dunn kicks Anthony in the head. D'Angelo shows up, misses with a crowbar shot, gets run into the ring post, back in the ring, and Pete Dunn hits a bitter end to win in six and a half minutes. After the match, D'Angelo applies a sleeper until Dunn snaps his fingers to escape. D'Angelo heads up the ramp, stops to watch as Dunn just kind of snaps and starts throwing a ton of garbage cans and chairs into the ring. I think he grabs a kendo stick too. He then takes the mic to briefly tell Tony that he'll need more than a crowbar and that their match is now a weaponized cage match. Isn't a cage a weapon? Cage o' weapons. So I thought the match was fine. I I don't think Draco Anthony's terrible. Um, and Pete Dunne can pull a decent match. Six minutes is more than I expected it to go in NXT 2.0. I'm glad Dunne won despite the interference by D'Angelo because I... And I, I don't love a lot of standard weapons matches, but I kind of trust Pete Dunne to make it work. And I've kind of been impressed with D'Angelo in the ring, despite hating his character. So there's hope for that match to be good. Io Shirai and Zoe Stark are backstage. Stark's trying to convince Io to find a partner for the Dusty Cup to win the belts back that they never technically lost, right? Which I'd actually forgotten. It was because of Stark's injury? That's true. Wait. Would it be? No, they lost them in the ladder match. No. Oh. So I don't know what I, she's yeah, talking about. Revisionist history? I don't, I don't know. Stark says since she's injured, she wants Io to find someone as crazy as Io is. Io finally agrees and says that she knows who to ask. Zoe wants to know who she's going to ask, but Io won't tell her. I thought this was fine. I like it. Keep Zoe on TV. My guess is Kaylee Ray is Io's partner, but I don't really know. Um, Dakota Kai drifting around. She approaches Wendy Chu and her shopping bags. Kai tells Chu that the new clothes wow i spelled that wrong really badly that the new clothes won't get her any victories in the ring and i don't know man just i guess kai is just this character who's lost faith in humanity at this point and she's just kind of drifting around nxt i don't like it at all la knight taken on sanga mm -hmm. sanga i think sanga. it's sanga and then wade barrett says sanga sanga so it's a basic decent looking stuff from sanga he does the impossible to take off his feet thing for most of this and Knight gets some decent flurries to finally take him down. Knight wins with a neckbreaker after Sangha runs into the corner that had been exposed earlier by Waller. The match was about three minutes. Post-match, Waller tries to attack Knight, but Knight's ready for him. Hits the forward headlock driver thing. What does he call it? The B something? One first trauma. There you go. Thank you. BFT. Um, the match was pretty basic, but I was expecting worse. I thought Knight... We're not the biggest fans of LA Knight, right? But I thought he did a good job of making Sangha look pretty decent here, and he definitely is huge. Um, I find it a bit strange that he lost in his debut, right? You have this big bodyguard monster, and he loses clean in three minutes, but uh, I was expecting a DQ or some kind of non-finish to kind of protect him, but they went with a loss in his debut as a monster. Uh, Duke Hudson talks to McKenzie about how he's not worried about Dante Chen coming for revenge. He says Chen isn't here for a reason and that's your scoop hudson wishes indy hartwell good luck next week while telling her to bring those titles home i guess because they're both from australia um i don't know it's fine he's a generic heel now but it's better than being a poker player so i guess we'll take it 
A little vignette here with Toxic Attraction hyping next week's Vengeance Day. They end by saying, what is it? Hearts won't be the only thing getting broken. Ooh. Um, Dolan was awful here and made me cringe. And she got basically this entire promo, but it was short. Neither of these women seem comfortable at all in these characters. And it again, it must be tough, like, learning and committing to this on TV when it's garbage. Time for the NXT Championship Summit. Ugh. And Legado del Fantasma is already in the ring. Wade Barrett is mediating, and he introduces Braun Breaker. Basically, to summarize, Braun respects Escobar, but gets fired up and basically wants to have the fight right then and there. Escobar is kind of playing it cool, tells him it'll be on Escobar's time, and he mocks Braun Breaker for being really inexperienced. And he says, Heyman may consider Braun the future, but Escobar is already planning to end Braun's career. And at that point, good old Dolph Ziggler makes a surprise appearance, NXT right? NXT legendary alumni. The forbidden door is open in WWE too. <laughs> <laughs> so he gets an, an incredible pop here from, I think, the actual crowd and maybe some piped-in crowd too, but he does get a good reaction. Um, I'm going to shorten his stuff up a lot. He talks about his accomplishments and even says that he... even. <laughs> This was the funny part. He basically says that even though he never wins, everybody knows he can go in the ring. He's like, something about, even though I, I go 1-99, in I think it was, like, I never win, but I'm really good, trust me. Um, and then something about apparently he works Tuesdays now. Braun responds, says he's the NXT champion, and the reason Dolph is here at all, he says he'll handle Dolph when he's done handling Escobar, and then Dolph points out that he's kind of looking past Santos Escobar, which there's a whole lot of this going on in this segment, which is my major problem with it. So then we get Tommaso Ciampa comes out. He sort of insults Ziggler and says Dolph isn't in it. Um, Dolph in an NXT ring ain't that something. But wait a minute, he'll be honest though. Dolph as NXT champion is a hard pass. Champa sits next to Dolph, kind of gets him in his face, calls him kid, says he loves his spirit, but if he's going to walk into his home, Escobar finally interrupts after being totally forgotten here, demands to know what's going on, as I would like to know as well. He calls Braun and Champa frenemies and tells Ziggler he doesn't go here, and I thought what I thought were some awful scripted lines that unfortunately he had to say. Champa eventually attacks Dolph beating him down the aisle as Legato attack Breaker. Santos has his back turned, um, and Breaker sort of takes out Wild and Mendoza. Escobar turns around, and it's just him and Braun. Braun goes to hit Santos with a powerbomb, but Legato come back, take Braun out, then tandem sort of just pick him up and slam him through the table. Santos says, it's like he said, everything happens on his time. See you next week, young champion. Um, I did not like this segment at all. I thought it was way too ambitious. And it honestly, just as I was starting to feel like Escobar was looking cool and kind of developing this character, he completely comes out of this like an afterthought. Um, he got some weak scripted lines as well. Ziggler interrupted and just took over. And yes, the crowd was really into him, but this wasn't the point, right? This was supposed to be hyping this championship match. Um, and basically, it Ziggler's felt... Ziggler's an, NXT royalty, so you will respect him. It felt okay. like it was all at Escobar's expense, right? They basically have laid out Breaker's next two matches, and the immediate challenger is sitting right there. Like, we all know Escobar's not going to win, but still, you could help it's us like they're suspend. not even trying. Right. Um, so I agreed with Escobar when he interrupted and asked what's going on, and I just think they tried to do too much here, and they really could have just waited until Breaker successfully defends against Escobar and then do some other segment where 
Or like have some one come out involved. after the match. Right, because like, this was just like, you forget all about Escobar in this, and that's annoying to me, because Escobar's cool. Uh, Kaylee Ray cuts a promo saying Mandy could have saved a lot of trouble by giving her her match, but now she'll make Rose suffer. And then she takes her baseball bat that she doesn't use against people, only inanimate objects. When it comes to people, she prefers spaghetti and cake. Right, of course. But she destroys a bunch of glasses that are on a table and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And says she'll see Mandy, Mandy watch in him. a bit. Grayson Waller is leaving with Sanga and says LA Knight is a real loser because he broke the restraining order and that next week Knight gets what he deserves because he'll be arrested and go to jail. Wait, wasn't it like... Because that's how he... police work. They wait a week. Wasn't if he won, he, the restraining order was done? If he beat Sanga, right? So how, did. how did he break the restraining order? Did he attack Waller before it was over? I don't know. There's a problem with this story. There and is. the problem with like the police are going to wait a week and going to arrest him a week from today. But anyways, we get Saray versus Dakota Kai, who's now been reduced to enhancement talent along the way. So Saray still does the transformation thing again this week. Kai gets a little bit in, but Saray wins with her running dropkick to Kai seated against the ropes, which looked good. And a really nasty, I believe it's an exploder that Dakota Kai took really high. Just over four minutes. Uh, finishing sequence looked cool. Just annoyed that Dakota Kai struggles in all areas, whether it's character, in-ring. It's all bad for her right now. We then get a segment I liked, which was Carmelo, Hayes, and Trick Williams at the barber shop with some other friends or customers there. And apparently the idea is Mello is getting ready for his third date with Ollie J. Trick says that some people Ollie J. think Cameron Grimes actually has a chance against Mello. And then they check Grimes' Wikipedia entry because it's always accurate, they say, and ask what he's done in NXT in two years. Mello has only has already done a ton of stuff in a short amount of time. He did and, two things. And Grimes has never been in a match like this. Mello says that Grimes is talented, but he's talented over there, and Mello is a top talent. Um, this match will make Grimes relevant because Mello does numbers, and it's time for his haircut. So I actually liked this, and believe it or not, I thought Mello and Trick Williams uh, bounced no. back from a promo that I did not enjoy last week. Trick slowed down this week, did a much better job, and Hayes, I thought, was excellent, especially in the final little section. I thought he did a great job, which I'm glad because last week was sort of a letdown for me. And I also like the setting of the barbershop as just something different. They're outside the stadium. They're not just backstage. It's realistic that he's getting his hair cut before a date and just chatting in the barbershop. So I thought that was a pretty cool idea. Um, then we go to NXT Junior High as Indy Hartwell's backstage on the phone with Dexter, setting up another hot tub rendezvous. Persia comes up and asks if Indy is talking to Duke Hudson, and Indy says no. Persia notes that Duke wished Indy good luck and not Persia. So this is what grown women get upset about. He said good luck to you and not me. Right? Isn't that upsetting? Isn't that how adults behave? Probably. Yeah, and that, that makes me mad a lot of the time, you know? Right? So Indy didn't know why Duke Hudson did that. And then Gigi Dolan and JC Jane show up and do mean girl things and imply that Indy and Persia are already having issues. Jane so wonders... Did they do it is that what they're implying well they're just trying to drive a wedge between okay, them okay right? i thought it was implying that they did it no they're just like, saying like would, oh you guys are already having trouble mm -hmm. so jane wonders if indy would be consoled by dexter or duke after they lose next week Ooh. Oh, and then Gigi dolan produces a photo of duke hudson standing beside indy hartwell so the plot thickens 
The women start fighting, not so the heels and the faces start fighting, and officials show to break it up. Um, so again, these are grown adults, and this is ridiculous, and yet another segment that is definitely not for me. I don't know who it's for. If anyone does like this, let me know, because I'd love to know who likes this. Nikita Lyons is great at everything. <laughs> this is my summary. I'm starting to get tired at this point, so my notes are like, she can sing and fight. She had to defend herself on the road and got so tough that she would start fights because she knew she could end them. So this was better than last week's segment, but I think it's still pretty cheesy. The thing that bugs me is that she's talking about like growing up on the road in a van. They show like a, a flashback. So it's like an actor kid in a van. Like, I don't know. It just, it seems so lame to me. Um, so it's like a dramatic reenactment of her as a child as she's describing it to you. It took me out of it. The video itself is like slickly, slickly produced and it made her look pretty badass in like the the training segments that she had. But it's the scripted lines that get, don't get her to sing again. No, it's the scripted lines that don't help, right? Like the scripted lions. Lions. Mm-hmm. Um, then we return to NXT Junior High with Jensen and Briggs. Briggs tells Brooks Jensen to get some guts and ask Caden Carter out. These are adult men, by the way. Jensen walks up and asks Caden if they want to do something for Valentine's Day, and they assume that it's a, a group thing, so they say yes, because he actually said. If they sort of thing, I think. Um, so they end up leaving and Brooks tells Briggs to take Casey to the movies and he'll get alone time with Caden again because this is what adults do. So he gives Briggs $8 to cover taking them to the movie. Briggs says that it's not enough money. So amazing stuff. Adults behaving like 12 year olds. And I just this is one of those things we say it sometimes like somebody wrote this and other people were like, yep. This is a good idea. This is what we need to put on our TV show. And again, it's not the talent's fault. In many cases on this show, this is what's written for them. And it's just stupid (laughs) to sound like you. It's dumb and you're dumb. It's dumb. Whoever came up with is dumb and the execution is dumb. It really is. Uh, We then get MSK versus Blade and Anafe. MSK did a bunch of cool double team stuff. Wesley had one really impressive flurry on his own. MSK eventually won with their blockbuster spinebuster finisher after nine and a half minutes. So I really drastically recapped it, but I really enjoyed this match. It was my match of the night. And I thought this was the good MSK that we don't see in their vignettes, which are painful. They just flew all over the ring, sorry, hit lots of cool tandem offense. And Blade and Anafe did their part fine and have potential to be a strong team, I think. Um, I just thought this was a really fun, like, nine-minute sprint of a tag team match. And uh, most of it was um, MSK in control, and they did an awesome job. It was really fun, I thought. So MSK and the Creeds will go face-to-face. Um, or sorry, they cut it within the finals next week, I guess, right? So Grimes gets a segment where he talks about struggling growing up, sort of implies that he struggled through some questionable booking in NXT. They like show the the zombie match and some other things, like kind of like he's always had to struggle even in NXT. Right. Um, he says that no one has grown more than him in his time in NXT and that he's come out of this experience a self-made man. I thought it was fine. Um, I enjoyed the kind of veiled criticism of NXT booking. I don't think he's going to beat Carmelo Hayes, but at least they're spending time building Hayes as a heel and Grimes as a face on this show ahead of their match, which could be really good. Dakota Kai. She's upset backstage about her loss, and she walks by Wendy Chu and the shopping bags. Wendy says, not as easy as it looks, is it? 
Um, so I imagine this is setting up a match. And what if Dakota Kai loses to Wendy Chu? She will. You think They're so? They're stupid. It's possible at this point. No, it is. They're stupid. I don't understand. Dakota Kai is cool, people. Um, women's championship match, main event, Kaylee Ray versus Mandy Rose. Mandy tries to attack right away, but Kaylee Ray avoids her and takes control of the match. We get a Thez press and some punches a bit later by Rose, but a Tornado DDT by Kaylee Ray. Suicide dive by Ray. Uh, the good old body scissors by Mandy Rose leads to multiple pinning attempts for each person. We get a moonsault for a two count and a transition into a leg submission by Kaylee Ray. Kaylee Ray hits a super kick, goes up top. And of course, JC Jane distracts Kaylee Ray. Gigi Dolan shoves her off the top. Mandy hits her running knee, which actually, the rose trigger, I think. It actually looked good. I know no. you think it's lame. It looks good. Rose trigger? Come on. I think it's something like that. that. It's something trigger. That is such a, what? That's disrespectful. So Rose Rose wins the match after eight minutes. And I hate to say it. I just thought this was okay. Um, I thought there were short stretches at the beginning and the end that were pretty good. But the bulk of the middle was just ordinary and not really engaging for me. I also wasn't satisfied with the finisher because it's interference, interference, shove you off the rope stuff. Um, the match didn't get a ton of time either. I don't think Mandy Rose is bad. I know you do. But I don't think she she's... Is. I don't think she's super interesting either. She seems ready enough to go back to main roster, right? Because it's not like she needs to be a technician. Um, but the other two members of Toxic Attraction are not ready to go anywhere. So I don't think that this faction has produced nearly enough for the amount of time and attention they get. I, and uh -huh. I, don't, I don't think we're alone in that. Like, I don't see a ton of people that would just think they're amazing, right? Like, I think, I think the thought was that people are just going to love this group. We got three whatever hot women and they're just going to talk about being hot all the time. But I don't really think they're catching on as much as funny they want them is, to. The funny part is that's what they do. The funny thing is what? That's, that's, the funny part is that's what they do. Yeah, we're so hot. We're super hot. You might be a better wrestler than me, but I'm hotter than you. And you want to okay, be with great. me because I'm hot. So that's that show. I kind of flew through it this week as I probably will from now on. So I like both of the tag team matches. Main event was disappointing. And then there were three NXT Junior High segments that I couldn't stand. The Championship Summit tried to accomplish too much. Had a few interesting things, but I didn't really like it overall. I like the barbershop. Hate what they're doing with Dakota, Dakota Kai still. This show is better than last week, but it still had lots I didn't care for. So I gave it a C this week. So nothing... I would say you could watch either of the tag team tournament matches. They were both really good, but there's nothing else you need to see on this show. Mm, nice. That's so surprising to me. And I don't think you have any other business this week, do you? Nope. I don't even know that business because that sucks. Right. So we're going to move into our final segment this week, which is Jack updating us on the world of wrestling action figures and what we like to call Figuring It Out with Jack. Um, so the first thing that came in like a day or two ago, it was kind of surprising. So they got a new ringside exclusively, which was an NWO Wolfpack Hogan, which I thought was kind of interesting. Cause, like, no Hogan. Stop making Hogan figures. Well, altogether. They're making a few. There's another one coming up. Um, I thought this was interesting because Hogan's definitely not known for Wolfpacking, you know? Yeah. So. No. But yeah, I see you get a bandana, volume black sunglasses, a Wolfpack tank top. Um, I think the tights are cool. Like, it, look, it looks good and all. Um, it's got the screaming, like, uh, black beard, white mustache scan from the uh, Hollywood Hogan Ultimate Edition. And you get the right. Wolfpack World Heavyweight title, which is kind of cool. Because I think that only came out once in a, with the ringside exclusive Kevin Nash. And even then, I think it's got it's a little different. And you do like a unique belt. Yeah, that's kind of cool. 
Um, I actually have the, the black NWO belt. I just have it under a custom belt. But then they revealed Legends Elite Series 15. So there's Lex Luger is going to be the Chase variant. I'm not sure which is the Chase and which isn't. But so there's a a later WCW Luger with I think the shorter hair or something. But he's got a he's also got a Wolfpack tank top. So it's a Wolfpack Luger. Nice. Which as we know he was the best member of the Wolfpack. Best member of anything ever. Exactly. Nope. And then there's a early WCW Luger with the orange trunks and the kind of mullet. So like early WCW Luger. Right. Um, Total Package Luger, I think it was, right? Um, and then there's um 2002 Kane. I uh, with the and he comes with the the World Tag Title, not the one that's like the old school one, but the one after that, like the the World Tag Titles they used on Raw and the Brand Split. I don't know if you remember what they look like, but I the ones not. after the original ones. Um, I think it was when you it was either when he teamed with Rob Van Dam or either or when he was in Hurricane. I forgot that altogether. Hurricane, get it with the hurricane. Hurricane. But right. I think I think this cane looks really nice. Actually, if I ever found out, I would get it. Like it's it's a pretty nice cane, honestly. Nice. And also X Pack. Um, he's in like um a white white and black gear with the single and the tights, and then like the orange highlights. That's cool. And then he also comes with, like the entrance gear with like you know the can like the DX Army gear, mm-hmm. which you can take off. So that's cool. And then so it's a legend series, right? So you want to guess who the last figure in the series is? Hmm. I can't. Walter. Daisy Keebler. <laughs> Legend. Yeah. I just watched, speaking of uh, X-Pac, I watched one, two, three kid lose to the roadie last night. Oh, nice. At an In Your House from 90-something. I, I think that was like the best match on the show uh, I saw, according to one thing. It wasn't um, bad, actually. Then there was Superstars Wave 2, which is like, it's replacing the Masters of the Universe figures that they were doing. So it's like same, similar style, they're just normal. Gross. Um. So there's Outsiders. Then there's Shawn Michaels, like from... I would say early '90s, and he's got like a a baby blue strap intercontinental title, which is kind of interesting. It looks like it could be a scale with the Mattel one, so that's kind of cool. And then there's also Ultimate Warrior, which I don't think it's WCW Warrior, but no, it's not WCW Warrior. It looks like it's like a Warrior with entrance coat, so it makes me think it's a later '90s Warrior, but I'm not sure. Anyways, they're like kind of small. I don't really care about those. And then kind of a surprise, they're um, series one of a new line, so it's a new Elite line. Uh, which is Walmart exclusive. It's going to be a Ruthless Aggression line, so that's kind of cool. Nice. Um, which, because I know a lot of people want figures from there, like um, there's a Ruthless Aggression Shawn Michaels in like the, it's a red, black, and white, like red and white with black highlights. Um, lo- It's the long pants, not the, right. uh, it's after tights Michaels. Um, so that's kind of cool. Uh, then there's another Here Comes the Pain, you know, like next big thing, Brock Lesnar in the trunks. He's got the Undisputed title again, so I might get that because I, I need that. But I remember I did get a, and WrestleMania Elite Lesnar, which was a Chunks Lesnar, and it came with the Smoking Skull Belt instead of the one that it was supposed right. to come with. Yep. So I ended up getting two Smoking Skull Belts. And then also a red and gold Chunks Batista, which actually looks pretty nice. Um, and so there's double-jointed elbows, all elites now, so that's kind of cool. Um, then basic uh 130, I think it is. So there's Omos, which I showed you, which looks stupid. It does not look good. Um, The Garganos, which look as good as basics do nowadays. I think it's a reused head scan painted on stuff like there's no depth to the basics and i think it's they're missing some decals or whatever right um the john cena is um from when he had the the scratch logo belt but the one after the spinner um and it's like the champions here where it's pointing down it's got the belt on the shirt that one i remember from 2013 so yep. that's there um and then we got <laughs> grand, grand metal leak with the half mask like with the mouth open that looks not good i do not like that and then wrestlemania 37 80 styles in the grand black which would be a nice elite, but it just looks flat here. And they used a, they reused an old head scan. 
And so Elite 94, Stephanie McMahon Helmsley. Um, great. Yeah. No, but it's like um, her from when she won the women's title. And her her t-shirt stands for Stephanie McMahon Helmsley, but it's, it's SMH, which now stands for Shaking My Head. So I think that's kind of funny. You would like that. Um. So that's there. Also here, just existing, is Elite 94 Mace, removable mask. That nice. AKA Elite Dio Madden. Right. Gross. Um, and then there's Elite Bret Hart. Um, so I want to say it's like, this is like probably 91, 92 era Bret Hart because he comes with the black strap intercontinental title. Yep. So it's like uh, early singles Bret Hart. So that's kind of cool. This one, the cha- the normal one is like um black single with the pink outline and then pink tights. Um, I think it looks pretty nice. That skin's never the best. Cause I feel like they haven't like they haven't nailed a Bret Hart skin yet. But the, and then the chase variant is a pink single with black tights. Um, Classic. So I think that's actually pretty nice. Um. I don't know, like I don't know if I would seek it out, but if I if it if was there, it. maybe get it. Or like if I got it from someone, I'd be like, nice. If you had money burning a hole in your pocket. Yeah, it's a, it's a good one. And the collector's edition is a British bulldog, which looks like a re-release of an older elite of his, just with double jointed doubles. Now I don't really care about that. He's not uh, alive. Um, and then True. uh, Ultimate Edition thirteen, which is Hulk Hogan, and Mr. T amazing yeah. or hulk hogan um hulk hogan does come with the different w title though it's um i think it's the one that was pre-winged eagle or one of the ones that he had when he had like a few different ones so it's at least a new belt which is kind of cool so they're both from wrestlemania one red tights mr t i don't care about mr t he's not really a wrestler i pity the fool who decides to buy that <laughs> um then there's a couple of ring sets that they revealed so there's this uh superstar ring bundle which is it's just one of the spring action rings yes. right um, and it's got like WrestleMania 29 looking decals, which I think is kind of odd. I think they've done a similar thing before, right? Um, but so it's got Cena and Rock from WrestleMania 29, which is for those who don't know from 2013. So they have an odd choice. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if like, I I kind of always find these box set kind of things interesting. Like when you get like a couple figures and stuff, yeah. like I think that's good for kids or whatever. I miss like. They probably won't ever do that with the elites again, but I miss like the big basic box sets where like you get like five figures in a box set. Like, oh yeah, I wish they would do more box sets. Just something about box sets are cool, you Did know. You, wasn't that your undisputed era one? Yeah, or like um, there's other ones. Like there's the Milkomania. There's a shield one I never got. There's the shield one that I did get. Right. Um, and so then there's also another ring figure set. So you get McIntyre and Lashley, which are like basicified versions of elites, mm-hmm. which is the wrong way to go um and you get like a raw ring which is pretty like it's got updated sticker or whatever and then you also get like reckon stuff like it's it's part of that line you get like the ladder that you that can bend in half you get a table you get a chair you get a exclusive slam cycle if that's not the most wwe phrasing for that i don't know what it is that's cool i guess that's probably better you get current guys and you also get accessories in a ring so that's cool if you are a tiny child if you are a tiny child. And then lastly, they're, they uh, revealed the uh, Survivor Series 1995 uh, Fan Takeover Ultimate Edition Shawn Michaels. It's like red with uh, white. And you get like the the chaps. You get that. I think it looks really nice, actually. Like, I don't usually care for the Ultimate Editions unless it's something like... Like, I think the latest Fiend is really cool. I think the um, other Fiend was cool. Um, the Finn Balor was really nice. Like, I think... But I think the Shawn Michaels is actually, like, really nice. Like... It's on Amazon, so it's kind of harder to seek out. But, like, if I could, I would definitely get it because I think it's actually a pretty nice one. Nice. So it's, like, mid-'90s Shawn Michaels. Um, so that one's pretty nice. The hat is iffy because they struggle with hats. But I think the figure itself and the tires, it's actually really nice. Like, the red and white is a cool contrast. Cool. And that's it. That's it. Well, 
that's it for episode 82 of our podcast. I don't think there's any bonus stuff coming because there's no pay-per-views or anything, right, this weekend? Uh, nope, just a crappy NXT 2.0 special. Right, which I will probably check out. You might check out a bit of it. We'll see. Uh, I'll think about it. Okay, cool. But yeah, uh, so that's going to wrap up this episode. Thanks for taking any time out of your week to listen to us talk about some wrestling. Feel free to get into contact with us if you'd like. FNSWrestling at gmail.com. FNS underscore wrestling underscore podcast on Instagram. YouTube comments are fine. Love to hear any sort of feedback. Any, any comment is fine. Any comment is fine. Positive, Always negative. Welcome. Tell us what you think of wrestling. Whatever you want, we'll respond to you. But anyways... We will definitely be back here next Saturday for episode 83. Definitely. And until then, take care, everybody. <laughs>